everybody, and welcome back to Season 8 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. I need a sequelizer. You're it, until you're dead or I find someone better. Company <laughs> policy. <laughs> I thought that was a personal attack on me for a second there. That was just a bit... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're recording. <laughs> Shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> harsh, harsh but true, Matthew. Harsh but true. And joining... Matt and I, also as always, it's Tim Matum. Every school kid knows that arachnids are dangerous. However, cinephile extremists disregarded federal warnings and established <laughs> Fort Matt Stockton deep inside the arachnid quarantine zone. Too late, they realised that Dantana had already been chosen by another colonist. Arachnids. Would you like to know more? I'm good. <laughs> I think I know where any cult who follows me would go. <laughs> Oh, God. Would you like um, to know Matt Stockton? <laughs> <laughs> so I think Matt's quote was, was fairly cryptic, but I think quite a few people might have clocked on from yours, Tim. This week, we're talking about a 2004 terrible sequel. We're talking about a patron voted. That's right. If you go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can vote for an episode per season, just like they did for this bloody terrible sequel <laughs> we gave him a few different options as as you do three different options and this one came through and if you'd like to get involved you can go to patreon.com slash support us at the five pound or more a month tier if you want to pick a whole episode yourself and basically tell us what to sequelize you can go up to the executive producer tiers and yeah basically tell us what to do we do have a little bit of veto power, I will say. There are some things we refuse to sequelize <laughs> because certain people have terrible taste in films and they're like, that's a bad sequel. And if we all agree that it's actually a good sequel, then we will, we will argue back. Thankfully, we haven't really had that problem so far and it's all gone very well with the EPs. We haven't had to veto anything so far. We've had a couple of disagreements, had a couple of, mm, I don't know, but then one of us will say, oh, actually, yeah, I'll take that one. And that's happened a couple of times as well. So, yeah, and... We'll get to a bad sequel, but first we have some EPs to thank the lovely people who support us on the highest tiers on Patreon. They are Mr. Jonathan Firth Clark. Oh, my family's all farmers. I hate farming. I mean, uh, mobile infantry is like pure picnic by comparison. Josh Miles. Oh, I'm going into politics, and you know, you gotta be a citizen for that, so here I am. Josh Van der Sluis. I got into Harvard, but my father says forget it, it's gonna cost an arm and a leg, you know? So, if I serve. Federation pays my way. <laughs> Andy Steen. I want to have babies. You know, it's a lot easier to get a license than serve. So. Mike Salvia. I'm going career. Officer's training. All the way. And last but not least, Xenos. Oh, uh... Let's see because of a girl. Xenos was maybe the most arachnid style alien kind of name so I thought it made sense to, mm. to throw in at the end there and if you want to join those lovely gentlemen and support us on Patreon you can do so by going to patreon.com slash sequelizers as always links in the show description or you can go to sequelizers.com and find all the links for all the stuff and support us by going and buying our merch subscribing to us giving us reviews and yeah supporting us on Patreon if you're able to we very much appreciate it we thank all the lovely patrons and the executive producers for their support and speaking of patrons, like I said, this episode specifically was voted for by our patrons. 
we are fixing 2004's Starship Troopers 2 Hero of the Federation. And good lord, this film is a pile of shite. <laughs> I would like to add um, an opening statement, if you will. And it's something I said to these guys before we started recording. There are, for season eight specifically, there are two films, uh, as in two of the sequels, that to this day make me genuinely angry. I mean, some things are frustrating, they're annoying, I can ignore them, they're bad, there are qualities I can sing and praise, I can say, well, there's this there's, there's sort of stuff, and you do a lot of reasoning, but fuck me. This and another film coming later, I, I, it just makes me angry, and it's, it's irrational, as, as most anger is. It's not like a logical thing. And, and this one's a weird one, because I don't have a great deal of, should we say, connection to the Starship Troopers franchise. I mean, we're going to segue into our own personal history here. I, in 1997, I didn't see the film in the cinema, but I remember it being a cool sounding thing that, you know, the teenage me would like to have seen. Uh, I remember, I think by 98, it was on, on video. Um, and I wanted to rent it, but it was 18 and it wasn't the time. And a little while after, I finally got to see it. And I really, really liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was most, I didn't understand how the effects look so good. And we're going to come back to that because I still don't understand how the effects look so good. That thing is yep, it's like 24 years old and it looks stunning. In And so much of it is in broad daylight. Big no-no of, <laughs> of CGI. Don't do it. Um, anyway, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very interesting film. Now, admittedly, I'm not going to try and coat this like I was some sort of you know, insightful genius from day one. Teenage me didn't get it. As in, teenage me didn't understand the satire. Teenage me just thought, this is dumb at times and very silly and and so on and people say oh it's it's crap it's not good it's it's fascistic and stuff and blah 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 it's like yeah it is and i didn't realize that was intentional <laughs> um and then when i sort of rewatched it as i got older I thought, oh i actually i really appreciate this i thought it was just like pretty people fighting monsters as is seems to be a sub <laughs> subgenre which keeps coming back every now and again but it, it, it's 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 more than that and i think it gets a bad rap and here's the tricky thing I don't know if this film is as underrated as we may think it is. Because people just usually caveat with Starship Troopers. Got a really bad rap when it came out, but it's actually really good. A lot of people don't understand that. I think, I think people do understand that now. I think that's well ingrained. And I think the reason is because of the fucking Iraq and Afghanistan war. But we'll come back to that later. Um, so for me, I liked the thing. I went When I was in high school, I remember the TV series... Uh, the Roughnecks, whatever it's called, the CGI TV series, like 35 odd episodes. I enjoyed that. I thought it was okay. It was perfectly, it was, it was more like the content of the books than the film. And I was, the continuity isn't there at all. So, oh, okay. But it takes bits of the film in terms of definitely production design and things. And, and it amalgamates the two as most adaptations do. And I enjoyed that. But the sequels are fucking horrific. And some people will say, well, actually, you know, this, the third one's good or, or the animated ones aren't bad. Fuck you. The first one, fires on all cylinders and does an interesting job the sequels do not tim what about what about you do you have any sort of are, are you a oorah roughneck motherfucker kind of guy um i mean my my experience is very similar so i would have been 11 when this came out in cinema mm. i could probably remember seeing the posters for it and thinking like oh that looks cool uh and then i would have seen it probably a year or two later much too young having got it out at the local you know, Blockbuster or the the petrol station that rented VHSs, of course. Um, and watched it, and not at all got the the satire really of it. I think I got that the 
the FedNet, the propaganda kind of TV that you see. Yes. I think I understood like, oh, this is meant to be sort of exaggerated and weird uh, and, and sort of dark humor kind of thing. But I didn't. I didn't really understand it. Uh, like even that, I'm probably exaggerating and and putting putting too much credit on on young Tim's brain. And I just yeah, like you, I just thought it was awesome. Like ah, oh, they they fight the aliens and then he climbs on his back and shoots it open and drops a grenade in and there's boobs uh, <laughs> and uh, and there's a big brain bug at the end that they capture and psychic powers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Awesome. And then I, again, saw it a few years later or, you know, sort of once my, my cognitive abilities had developed a little bit more and was like, oh, wow, this this opening speech in the classroom where he's talking about, like, force is the only determinator mm. of, of what is right and the, 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 the greatest moral force in the, in the galaxy is like, oh, this is, hmm, that's odd to be putting in this film and then kind of as i got older and older kind of understood more and more and, and and found out some of the background about the novel that it's based on and paul verhoven's approach to it but uh just to interrupt you here, the, the line that got me actually realizing what it was doing was i, I didn't even repeat being and then i understood midway through and it's that classroom thing you're right because the line that got me was michael ironside's character saying the failings of democracy. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? Followed by something given has no value. And I'm like, wait, no, if I give you a present, what? And it, it just, <laughs> just something some small twigs. I was like, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm not like, you know, horny for these teenagers slash 30 year old people. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also the, the immense carnage of the visual effects. What are you, what are you saying? Um, although there is a thing where you, where you work for something or earn it, it feels harder to spend money that you've earned rather than money that's mm. given to you as a present, as it were, that kind of logic. I get that, but, that's not mm. what he's saying. And I'm like, oh, this? Oh. Yeah, that's Verhoeven for you. Except Showgirls. Showgirls is just, just trash. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I think like uh, like everyone else, it was like, oh, th there's this weird kind of soap opera opening to it. And everyone's very, they look like they belong on like Melrose Place, which I only kind of vaguely knew as that it's that soap opera that is on channel five that RTV doesn't <laughs> receive properly. Um, but I was, I was sort of like, Oh, these weird glossy American soaps. Like why, why are they in Buenos Aires when everyone looks like incredibly white yep. and stuff? But yeah, I, and, and like I rewatched it for this, even though I'd watched it semi recently. Um, and it's still so good. It's so on point. It's so, it's so clever in the way it approaches these things. Um, and like you say, the special effects are still, incredible like obviously there are parts of them that don't hold up but like overall like this stands up and and then you compare it to i i i must admit have not watched apart from the uh starship troopers 2 hero of the federation which we are fixing have not watched beyond that because i i have no real interest mm -hmm. it became very clear that the sequels did not have the same satirical bent uh, that makes the first one interesting um, and obviously having aged beyond the the age where I just appreciated it as like things blow up I I was looking for a, for something a little a little deeper uh, and boy does uh, d does hero of the federation not deliver <laughs> yeah painfully undersell that one yeah yes yeah they they are entirely the kind of 
12 year olds reading of starship troopers mm -hmm. and none of the nuance um anyway jack as the youngest of all of us the baby boy when, when did when did you first encounter starship troopers um i would have done probably not that long after it came out probably early 2000s so before the second one came out i had seen the first one when i was pretty young and similar to you tim i had no idea what the fuck was going on it was just dude shooting aliens and it's cool and they look really good and like i said we'll get back to how good the cgi is because i'm still amazed at how how good that is and had no real context for the concept of satire as a 10 year old was but yeah re-watching it in the years since i've seen it a few times since and obviously rewatched it for this episode as well as the second one i'd seen the second one and probably sort of 10 years ago or so on a dvd somewhere and just like oh i love starship troopers what could possibly go wrong and then we'll <laughs> get into that but yeah i think uh you're totally right matt that the first one is often seen as this like underrated cult classic sci-fi thing that because it was so misunderstood when it came out and people like it literally promotes fascism this is an evil film like hold on a minute paul verhoeven made this He's Dutch. He was born in like occupied Netherlands or like lived during that time in the Netherlands during World War II. Like, you know, you know, that's not what it is, right? Because it's clearly not that. It's a would you like to know more is such a fucking obvious, like Big Brother esque style fucking satire thing. Yet some people somehow took it seriously and re watching it, like I said, when I was probably sort of 16, 17, 18, something like that, I was like, Oh my god, all this fun blowing up alien stuff I enjoyed when I was a kid, I really, really enjoy as an adult now. And yeah, like you said, Matt, it's become this weird kind of unspoken classic where I don't really think of it as like, oh, my favorite sci fi films, but re watching it, I just had a fucking blast with the first one. And then this was the second time I think I'd watched the Starship Troopers 2 Hero of the Federation. And like I said, I hadn't seen it in about a decade. I was like, oh, this is just as bad as I remember it being. Yeah. Because it just doesn't understand the satire. I carry through so many of the themes from the first one, which is often the case of bad sequels, unfortunately. I think the beauty, and we'll get into the, the synopses in a second uh, for people who aren't familiar, and I'd imagine most people listening to us have probably seen Starship Troopers. I'd imagine yeah, okay. Hero of the Federation is probably considerably less seen, knowing that it's got the reputation that it has. Yeah. Um, the beauty of the satire in the first one is that it doesn't blink. And there is not a single character in there who kind of turns to the camera and goes like, oh, isn't this bad? Um, or, or, or even resists the, the kind of the, the, the propaganda and the state that they exist in. Everybody is fully on board for this horrible fascistic uh, federation that they live in and is entirely up for yeah. like okay yeah let's go kill some bugs like uh yeah this is totally the way the world should be and i i can understand why people can cut watch it and come away and go oh i th i think it's uh you know it's promoting fascism because it doesn't there there's never a moment where it it winks at you and says like we understand that this is actually bad but that's what makes it great because it shows how people can be sucked into this system and it shows it shows why for certain people like oh this can be really appealing and this is what this is how it gets you because 
because everybody's on board with it and the the world that it creates is like great except when you start to like actually stop and think about what people are saying and like what is clearly not being shown like off screen and who in our world the you know the bugs would actually be kind of thing but i think yeah because because there's no one in it who is kind of and we'll come back to fucking hero of the federation <laughs> and why it fails but because there's no one in there that's going like oh yeah actually this place is a piece of shit and like these guys are all lying to you and you're just part of this like meat grinder of a war machine it it works so beautifully as satire and it still is fucking like it was great in 1997 and if if anything it has just become more and more relevant as time has gone on yeah i think the not necessarily the moment you realize but the moment that really cements it is the one of the last shots and one of the last scenes and neil patrick harris fucking doogie hauser fucking the the guy from how i met your mother is a horrible fucking nazi (laughs) he's literally dressed as like an ss officer during this during this film and they have that final moment with the brain bug and he's like oh by the way he's psychic we'll we'll get into that it it's it's showing fear it's showing fear and everybody's like Oh no! Oh, poor thing! It must be so afraid. Oh no! They go, <laughs> yay! It's <Yeah>. afraid. <laughs> if if that doesn't solidify yeah, the satirical nature of it to you, I don't know mm. what film you've been watching. Like that is so mm-hmm. over the top evil that you you just can't believe that that's actually a line that is said out loud in this film, and everybody cheers, and you're like, oh, it's a commentary on the American industrial military complex. Like, this is <laughs> how people get swept up in propaganda. And as you said, Tim, how, like, the Weimar Republic turned into Nazi Germany and this whole process of, like, the public aren't necessarily Nazis. Like, the German public of the late 30s and early 40s aren't necessarily like, oh, we need to destroy all the minorities and stuff. But they're swept up in this propaganda, and it's so like just enveloping to young minds and young people that it's just, oh yeah, I've got to support my country, that nationalistic pride. And in this case, the the species pride, like humans must prevail over mm. bugs, is an even bigger concept that is even more attractive to these young developing people. Granted, like we said, they're all played by <laughs> like 25 and 30 year olds, but they're supposed to be like 18 or 19. And it's this whole thing of like, yeah, after our graduation, we'll be friends forever. And it's all this like really sickly sweet, like <laughs> 90210 parody stuff that almost is almost like too good that it's not a parody. And like, I just find these people annoying because <laughs> they're just typical teen characters. And then you get those moments like, oh no, yeah, that's how that works. Teenagers got swept up in this stuff and teenagers have nationalistic pride. And that's how we get shit like nazi germany happening in the 40s like the, the, the federation is exactly that yeah there's an old um it was a popular adage but i remember my um my high school history teacher telling me back before i moved to norwich which is the first country the nazis invaded was their own they didn't just wasn't again and that's why british go. people unfortunately do say all oh, the germans think i think you mean the nazis because the germans part of this whole empire and also more importantly and this is why the starship trooper comes into it the idea that we are na- even when you dress them up as actual Nazis visually, almost Nazi cosplay, but a slightly different badge, it's like, yeah, that's not the same. That's not a Nazi, and that's what unfortunately is how we ended up where we are now, societally speaking, because you can say, ah, but that's not a Nazi because it's not a German in the forties with a swastika, right? But 
they're doing Nazi stuff. That's different. And that's why you get with this movie. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should, we should probably tell you what happens in these films. So let's start with 1997's Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers opens with several propaganda pieces, highlighting the Earth of the not-too-distant future is controlled by a militaristic government called the United Citizen Federation. Just federal network, federal stuff. You get this, you know, thing with eagles all over it and shit like that, and very militaristic uniforms and public lashings are normal. And a man was put on trial today. His execution will be at nine. And I was like, okay. Was like, and he just, he just steps that resigned look of like, yeah, that's fair. And then it shows the, the chair he's going to go into. And you're like, oh televised. Anyway, so they demand uh, service in exchange for citizenship. Uh, so it's very collectivist mindset. These videos are followed by live coverage of the invasion of alien planet Klandathu. Uh, the operation goes horribly wrong, leaving several space marines decimated by their giant insect adversaries. The narrative then flashes back uh, about a year and details the high school exploits of South American students... <laughs> the jockey Johnny Rico, the studious Carmen Ibanez, and the psychically sensitive Carl Jenkins, all of whom join up to serve in the military, which is a good, kind of expected thing. Although, because Johnny comes from a rich family, he he joins up because he's chasing um chasing Carmen basically with his dick, but also because he's been swept up in the whole. No, it's 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 a point of pride and 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 duty for me to do this. And it's like, no, I don't want to see you join that operation and get involved in all this stuff. I pay for you get out of it. So, no, no, no. I'm doing this, Dad, which is very World War One, World War Two early. You know, I'm joining up with the right thing to do and then get into a meat grinder. Due to their different grades, however, the trio are separated into the Mobile Infantry, the Flight Corps, and Military Intelligence. So this, you know, let's always be best friends that come out of high school. It'll be such great to be in the military. Are separated immediately. Separated from his friends, Johnny is put through a grueling boot camp experience, but Buffalo's fellow high school colleague and someone crushing on him very hard, Dizzy Flores, and the outspoken Ace Levy. Carmen breaks up with Johnny, causing him to drop out of the mobile infantry, despite proving himself as good squad leader. But Johnny retracts his resignation when a meteor hits Earth, uh, coincidentally wiping out his hometown of Buenos Aires. Casper Van Dien's real... Because <laughs> when you think of Argentina, you yeah. think of Casper Van Dien, yeah. right? His, yeah. his, his real... And, and this isn't a discredit to him as an individual, but Aryan poster boy, that big chiseled ass jaw blonde hair blue eye muscular tan like oh my god adonisy kind of thing as portrayed for through you know the 40s and stuff as a piece like him buenos aires anyway this leads to the invasion detailed of the start of the movie but the freshly minted troops are disorganized and ill-prepared leading to a massacre johnny rico is erroneously announced dead but is saved by his old high school teacher Rachek. The second attempt at an invasion starts with an aerial bombardment of Planet P, uh, followed by Rudchak's roughnecks cleaning up the stragglers. So they go in, they carpet bomb everything, and they just go through and just take out the stragglers and bits and pieces left over as well as get themselves a load of trouble. The roughnecks respond to a distress signal at an outpost, which turns out to be a trap orchestrated by a new type of smart bug. Um, dialogue from the movie. The outpost is ambushed by a swarm of arachnids, and Rudchak and Dizzy die. Rico is reunited with Carmen and Carl, who highlight that the new mission is to locate and capture the so-called brain bug. Um, during the attack, Carmen's ship goes down and her escape pod crashes in the brain bug's lair. Um, Rico launches a rescue mission and gives the location of the brain bug, which is captured by Rico's old drill sergeant, Zim. Several propaganda videos close out the film by highlighting that Johnny, Carmen and Carl have successfully furthering their military careers and detailing that the war continues and that humanity will keep fighting and they will win. 
And again, synopsis-wise, it sounds quite just just militaristic and yay, great, but it's, it, it actually highlights the futility of it all and how we're actually quite massively ill-equipped and it's kind of maybe possibly our fault and everything's reactionary. It's like, yeah, but fuck you! And it's this it's like flexing nonsense that doesn't actually... There's no security in terrible society. Yeah, there's a there's a great moment in it where the 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 reporter is uh says a line of like some say we uh invited the the arachnid aggression by uh putting our our colonies in their uh, yeah, space yeah. and then literally the hero of the film johnny rico um like bursts into the screen and goes like hey i'm from buenos aires and i say kill them all yep that's exactly it. it's like it's like i think one of the things is also like this is the bug planet here and this is us and you must destroy them was that <laughs> anyway starship troopers 2 hero of the federation 2004 seven years later and several million dollars less a squad of amdram actors and their b-movie score find themselves trapped on a tv set surrounded by mediocre cgi arachnids fuck's sake <laughs> Using low shot smoke and darkness to disguise the fact that there are only a handful of people in the squad, they're quickly overwhelmed and take refuge from the attacking aliens in a violent storm in an outpost. Looks like a big old pillbox. <laughs> uh, okay, come on. Rain it, rain it, rain it. Tell us how you really feel, Matt. Ah, it's fucking great. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Um, within the compound, the group find the imprisoned, disgraced Captain Dax, who killed his commanding officer and was left for dead. The group attempt to keep the arachnids at bay and set up a defense perimeter with the help of Dax, much to the chagrin of commanding officer Lieutenant Dill, who has lost the confidence of his squad due to his poor composure and indecisiveness. During the attack, the group meet up with a handful of fellow survivors, including General Shepard, who takes command, and the group repair the communications array and signal the fleet and wait for pickup. Private Soda... Soda pop. Private Soda, one of the... Think about being thirsty. I suppose you could work that in there. Private Soda, one of the survivors, begins seducing several members of the crew, and we learn she has infected them with the parasitic mind control bugs, a new type of arachnid, with most, mostly mouth stuff. Just... Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, it's a thing. Dill has been having several psychic flashes of a terrible future. Sahara, one of the squad privates, lost her psychic abilities during puberty. As all women do, apparently. And she's been having the same visions, apparently, due to a side effect of pregnancy. <sighs> Dill realises that Soda has been infecting the team, but is killed by one of the infected with Dax's knife, and he is framed for the murder. How do you know it's his, ni How do you know it's his knife, Matt? Oh, with my apologies. It's, it's Dax's knife, because it says Dax on it. Uh, it's carved <laughs> into it. He gave it to another soldier and said, Soldier should always have a knife. Because, uh, you know, that's useful. And then it's the, it's the classic, you know, the first film points out about how what's the point of a knife in a bug in a nuke fight? It's like you cannot, you know, the enemy cannot use a nuclear weapon if you disarm his hand. And it's like, oh, yeah, I get it, but this has none of that nuance. It's just like, here's my name on a knife. Have my knife. This won't incriminate me later. And if I was stupid enough to kill someone, I wouldn't leave a knife. And also, yeah, no, no, let's just let's just get through this. Dax is in prison once again, but then released when Sergeant Raker's mob by infected troopers, and then she blows her face off. Sahara uses her now restored psychic abilities to tap into the bug's plan of infiltrating High Command and wiping out the human race. A dropship arrives, but the plan is thwarted by Dax and two big fuck-off guns. Dual-wielding, two-handed guns is always a thing. And he goes, ah, and he kills the general. So he's all right. He, he's, he's fine. Then they, they can get on the dropship and leave. But uh, as Sahara gets on the evac ship, Dax stays behind, 
acknowledging his failings, saying that murderers don't go home, which is... We'll get back to that. One year later, Sahara has been discharged for, to have her child, and her testimony of Dax's actions have likely restored his legacy uh, through propaganda, which may or may not be what he wanted. And there's a whole thing of the baby at the end. And, and, and I told the guys earlier, I've rewritten this synopsis so many fucking times, and it makes me so angry because I've got so many threads that go nowhere, characters that do nothing, nuance that means I've, I feel like I'm giving it more presence than it needs because it's actually really bad. The, the general synopsis is, the first one is a very interesting, big, bombastic, satirical piece that's so heavy-handed, shall we say, with the satire that people think it's, it's being earnest. And the second one is a really, really, really cheap film that bottles them into a building. And everything you learned about the previous movie is literally irrelevant because they don't have the money or the time for it. And halfway through, it basically turns into a zombie film. Yep. Um, because they're getting infected by the by the aliens, because that's cheaper than having CGI arachnids yeah. uh, running around. And and when they first use them, there's a lot of repeated shots, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of and and they never have the bugs interact with the actors because that would be that would require things like props or more complex CGI. So let's just have shots of people firing, and then shots of bugs, and then go back to shots of people firing. And it'll be fine. And they're not firing guns anymore as such. The guns are still guns, obviously, but they're not like muzzle flash bullets. They're sort of like strobe lighty kind of lasers. But the laser doesn't come out of the gun. It just goes beep, 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 Shitty lasers, yeah. yes. I bet it's a list. It, in a weird way, this movie is... Actually, no, tell you what. I will give you one positive. If this was a standalone, low-budget science fiction film, like a student movie or a fan film or a very, very independent movie, it might be largely forgivable. It might be like... Okay, no, I see what you're doing. You're obviously inspired by a lot of things. You didn't have the, you had the various constraints. You had to make it a very small tech thing, but that's quite cool visuals. That's great. But because it follows Starship Troopers, it's a problem. Another issue I have with this fact is it is, as I said, it recycles other things without realizing what it's doing. So it's got infiltration from the thing, but it's dumb. It's got species <laughs> alien sex stuff, but it's dumb. It's got pitch black hide from the aliens in a single room but it's dumb. It's got the Borg collective of conservative collectivism versus individuality, which again is not a point of, uh, of Starship Troopers, but it's dumb. It's got the aliens, as in the film aliens, squad dynamic stuff, but it's dumb. It's just literally, if Starship Troopers outwardly is a film written by a teenager, but actually, you know, it's, you know, trying to say something very detailed, Starship Troopers 2 is definitely written by a teenager. <laughs> Starship Troopers 2 is the kind of film that they would make in the universe of there Starship we, there Troopers. There we go. That's it, yes. Except they wouldn't because it's got Captain Dax in it who kind of he kind of is the, like the perfect hero that they would have in that yeah. universe because he's just this macho fucking like uh you know a new like this this wimpy lieutenant he's no good because he's got glasses and he relies on his psychic powers and his intelligence to fight mm. things whereas i just fight them with my guts and with these two guns that i shouldn't be able to lift <laughs> um but he also is he is this like cynical grizzled guy with like you know oh he's got a he's got stubble and he's he's sort of saying like ah oh, this this war's just a meat grinder the, the the generals they're all a bunch of shitheads they don't care about us you've got to watch watch out for yourself and it's like no mm. the that ca- that kind of character a is complete cliche and horrible <laughs> and really poorly written in this but also 
does not work in this universe because the whole point is the entirety of the society is set up to be on board and this guy would not like you can't yeah the 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 satire of it falls apart as soon as you insert that type of character because the whole point of the first film is that no when you have these huge like species you know it's not even nationalistic it's species wide humanity movement that is this fascistic society like no one is smart enough to see through that if you let it come to pass and if you let it to dominate society in this way it's incredibly hard to get rid of because it just it just wipes out all resistance to it and you're not going to have someone who is in the military who is a captain at this level who is walking around going like yeah but i don't really believe in it because i'm too tough and cool for that, that. kind of it's like, control and that level of it, it you don't have dissenting outliers that's not a thing yes that's the problem. Yeah, and you certainly do, you certainly don't have them holding high rank in the military. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hate the uh, I hate that it becomes self-aware. Like the whole point of the first one is that they think they're the good guys. And then the fucking ending with the recruiter who's like more meat for the grinder. I'm like, then he knows he's mm. the bad guy and that undoes the whole point of the the, the whole federation in the first movie. They have the "Are we the baddies?" moment from fucking Mitchell and Webb. They're like, no, we we know they're the baddies. That's the whole point of the satire of the first one. They're the fuck. this fucking space Nazis. They're the Empire from Star Wars. We know this. You can't have stormtroopers. Again, they do this in Force Awakens. Blah blah blah. But like, random force stormtroopers just being like, oh wait, maybe Darth Vader's not such a good guy after all. Like. Yeah, obviously he's not, but you, you've been swept up in this and you've been recruited in this whole thing. Like This entire society, as you said, Tim, the entirety of Earth and the colonies out in space is driven by this basically nationalistic but species-driven hatred of everything else. And humanity needs to be the number one species in the galaxy. We're more highly evolved than these disgusting bugs and all this kind of stuff. And then this one's just like, oh yeah, we know they're bad, so we're going to portray them as bad. And then all the kids are just bad guys, I guess, in the army. And the, the main character is kind of dissenting for some reason, even though that breaks the entire kind of law. You could have that in a film and spin it in a clever way. They do do something clever that they change his final words. He does the like, murderers don't go home and like sacrifices himself and that whole thing. And they change it to the, um, my glory lives forever. Don't cry for me or whatever the fuck it is. But that makes total sense. And that is so within the lore and within the universe, like them doctoring, like Hunger Games style, to put it on a modern spin and things like where they alter the footage and alter the, the phrases that people say in the war. So like, oh no, they do stand for our society. And here's a hero of the Federation. And that's why I think that subtitle actually kind of works is that they spin him into this hero of the Federation, even though he was kind of the the dissenting person against the Federation. Having that twist where like, yeah, he, he was a bad guy to them, but now we actually spun it. So he's a hero. Like, that's quite a clever way of doing it. They just don't do that for like 99% of the movie. And then that last like five minutes, you're like, oh, there you go. Heroic sacrifice. So I guess he's a good guy even though he's very clearly been a captain of the Nazis for, like, a while now. Oh, it is so messy and so bullshit. And the, the fucking infected thing, like you said, it turns into a zombie movie. That is what really got me. That is the bit that really fucking annoyed me. The fact that I misunderstood the first film, you get that in the first, like, ten minutes, obviously. 
Loads of people misunderstood that first film. But the fucking infecting little mouth crawler things and the terrible fucking CGI for that. Oh, it just tries to be, as you said, Matt, aliens and pitch black and fucking every sci-fi thing all at once on like a 500 quid budget. <laughs> oh, it's such a, such a fucking mess of a film. It, it, it is frustrating because imitation being the sincerest form of flattery kind of thing is like, yeah, not if you are not imitating the thing you're supposed to be fucking following. Or you're trying to imitate 10 things at once. Precisely. And, and, and it's, it's just the idea that to, to not understand what you're doing and, and, and then create these characters who you've just, you know, nicked from other war films. Um, there's the, I think one of the first Vietnam war films to come out during the Vietnam war was a John Wayne film, but uh, was it Green Berets or something like that? And it was very much not what we associate with a Vietnam war film. And even World War II, for example, although the whole The Greatest Generation stuff, yada, 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 even now it can get very, 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 um, jingoistic it's also quite it was a terrible sacrifice a terrible ordeal yada yada and, and this film doesn't seem to understand the the universe it's found itself in because it's taking tropes from movies it likes or whatever that you've seen before and other other films about god war is hell no these guys love war that's what they live mm. for if you're not you're a namby-pamby coward and the fact that like oh what, what what's this badass dax who by the way with his stubbly beard, puts on a load of like, you know, lathers up to do some shaving and because he gets interrupted, yeah. wipes it all off. Not, not actually going to shave because he's got a beard the whole time through the film. I was like, wait, so why were you bothering? Because it's a cool set piece. Right. I understand your film now. Um, and it's the fact that he's like, why were you in prison, soldier? I'm a captain. Officers are just trying to get us all killed. You can't listen. You have to shoot him. Yeah, Radshack did that in the first movie. Uh, he's 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 like a commanding officer, and the general went crazy and said, "You are you shoot me!" And he's like, "Oh, gr well, yes, I will definitely shoot you because you are useless, and I need to succeed. I'm a lower-ranking officer, but I know what the mission is, and you know what? I'll be rewarded for success rather than your fucking cowardice." That is how Dax is. Dax is a hero, hero of the Federation. Him saying like him like you know, what should everyone else take everyone out? Makes sense. He wouldn't be necessarily penalized for that. I don't think unless his mission was a failure and he got people killed. That's when he'd be whipped, corporal punishment, that kind of shit. Now, on top of that, you also have the fact that the, the master plan, the bug plan where they're communicating with Sahara is that humans are a terrible threat because they have individual personalities and individuality and independence and it, it clashes with the bug collective hive mind and we're going to wipe that out. And it's like, no. No, these Nazis are just as, you know, collective. They, <laughs> if you don't serve the hive, you don't exist. The whole point of the humans and the bugs is they're kind of the same thing. The difference is one's a snarling beast and the other one is an arachnid. No, um, yeah. <laughs> hey. yeah. but it is, it, that's the whole point. It is, this is not, an, a, a, this is literally a dystopia. It just happens to be clean. That's the difference. It's colorful and these people are pretty. And you're like, well, it must be pretty mm. good then. It's like, no, it's fucking awful. They're constantly at war. This is literally the worst existence we can have in the future. And anyone who's like somewhat, you know, tr I mean, again, the, the two, two examples of people who may be slightly dissenting, maybe, is the teacher in the school talking about the, um, what do you call it? The, the, the dissection of these, these particular bugs. Oh, yes. And played, played by uh, Golden Girl Rue McLaren. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And she's saying like, ah, oh, we may think ourselves of the, of the, of the evolutionary chain, but no, they have performed. And she's 
she's not saying that humans are bad in a way. She's just saying mm. that she admires man. It, it doesn't make her somehow dissenting from this universe. It makes her a crazy, for lack of a better for exa- you know, example, Nazi scientist. It's it's a Hans Lander speaks of like, oh no, I respect the Jew. I understand the the lengths of which mm. humans must go to. The hawk and the rats, that kind of bullshit. It's like, yeah, you're you're a fucking terrible person. Oh, but he's talking against mm. the idea of what it is. No, 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 no. You're just as terrible as everyone else. The second one is the TV debate about a brain bug controlling everything like a hive and someone is so one of the intellectuals as it were is so offended by the idea of a bug that thinks and you're like it sounds and this is this is something important here all of this universe building stuff in the first one because 2004 is a very crucial release point 1997 this stuff was just you know telling the story it was telling and setting its own universe and then 9-11 happened and the the story then became a almost like a premonition of what would happen next. Mm. Ill-prepared gut reaction in the wrong place, the wrong time, maybe kind of also our fault as a fallout for other things. Worst gut reaction, a very galvanized youth of just joining up and being disenfranchised with what they're doing. And I was in the States in like 2003, 2004 when this came out. No one was looking for an introspective look at this sort of stuff. No one wanted that kind of take. They wanted the, who's the bad guy? Who do I shoot? And a lot of that sort of reactionary, hang deadly bullshit of like, they're not our people, we need to wipe them all out. Why? Because they're over there and they got us. They came at us in our home. Fuck them. And again, I'm from Buenos Aires, I say kill them all. Now, obviously, the difference between our society and the, the society of the film is we have dissenting voices saying, no, 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 no. Not enough, unfortunately, to stop, you know, both Britain and, you know, the United States and various other people going to war in the wrong place. But, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we're still feeling the effects of it now and things. But that mindset in 2004 was very much a case of, yeah, we need someone to go over there. A badass hero of the Federation. Get airdropped in. Just wipe them all out. Fuck them all. It's like, yeah, you don't get it. And that is lost on this movie you know what is trying to be said yeah i think it's extraordinary how prescient this film is mm. and just to take like a little example uh just uh, is to zoom in on that you mentioned like the tv debate show where there's yeah, yeah. there's the, the the person who's saying like well maybe there is a brain bug and then the the guy who's like i find the very concept of a brain bug offensive yeah. <laughs> um that that guy happens to be wearing a bow tie and mm. the format of the show is basically exactly the same as Crossfire oh, on CNN, ah. which is how Tucker Carlson, who notably yes, when he was on that show, right. wore bow ties. It's how he became famous and has now basically turned into fucking um, main player of Fox News yeah, now. He is, oh, yeah. God. Probably future presidential and, candidate. Oh, uh, well, God, yeah. But it's like, it's so pressured that it, it, it basically foresaw, and obviously like Crossfire had been on TV prior to that but i don't think tucker carlson i think he kind of became a big yeah, thing sure. around like we say around 9 11 mm-hmm. um but the fact that it it was able to skewer that archetype so because it because and, and this was uh spoilers i'm the one who's fixing this i i wanted to get this thing into my pitch and i didn't really manage to do it which is the idea that you can you can have that little amount of like authorized dissent 
you can have those two debating voices because they they're they're arguing about different sides of the coin but they both agree that like the coin matters kind of yes. thing um that that you can get on these on so many of these shows where you have like yeah you have these debates that are going on but they're not actually addressing any of the structural problems with the society they're just kind of going back and forth over the minor details mm. and even if the person who is on the the, the so you know the kind of liberal side mm. although you know obviously within degrees compared to yeah. Uh, when you're in a fascistic society like even that person who might think like yeah i'm standing up for what's right like is you're kind of contributing to this like aggressive mm. uh, just the 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 way society is set up you're still kind of supporting it inherently by by being on this show and kind of thing I, it's not something that i managed to get into in my pitch, it's a hard it's, one to to i think with the riddick thing it's a very yeah. tricky franchise to tap into and really capture that kind of not nuanced, yeah. yeah. It, weirdly enough, in, in in again around two thousand and four, I had a conversation with someone in the states, sort of friends of a girlfriend, friends of a friend kind of thing, and it was like, oh god, we're in a weird fucking place right now. Um, and it was, which do you think is better, Matt? I was like, oh, what's that? Well, we're saying that we should uh we should find uh Saddam Hussein and and kill him publicly. And I was like, uh huh. As opposed to, well, we should just let them, the people over there kill him himself themselves. And it's like, should he like not be like stand trial or something? No, 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 no. He dies. It's just how does he die? And that was the that's the, like they say like the two commentators. It's like <laughs> they're kind of coming from the same place, but it's the do we stab him or do we shoot him? And it's like, uh right, okay. Yeah. And and me just going, hmm, that'd be enough to get me killed in this universe, in the Starship mm. Troopers universe. And the, because it's so generationally ingrained, you don't have those descending voices. You don't have those characters. Um, so the, the, a lot of the characters exist in this, like at the end of the movie, we mentioned in um, Hero of the Federation, the, oh, fresh meat for the grinder. First mistake. Thing number two is is her going, oh, oh my God, not my baby. And it's like, no, no, that's that's not how this works. If anything, the film should end with Sahara saying, God, I'm glad they got him right. I'm glad they they honored him properly. And I'm yeah. glad my child will serve just like I did. That kind of thing. I mean, the the father, Johnny Rico's father and mother, just don't want their son to get crippled. They want him to be a success. They want him to be successful. Mm. And it's like, you know, being a citizen doesn't matter when you've got money. It's like, oh, but I want a point of pride. I want to walk with my head held high. It's like, fuck that shit. It doesn't matter. I, money mm. talks. Because the society's still awful. It's still evil controlled by different methods. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to see you mutilated. I'm happy for everyone else to go get fucked up, but not yeah. you. Yes. They don't have any problem with yeah, the, way it works. the way that the society is yeah. because they're benefiting from Precisely. it. Precisely. Um, and kind of one final thing that I want to pick apart that Hero of the Federation gets so incredibly wrong is we mentioned one of the things that it takes inspiration from is species, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was actually was another option on the the poll, I believe. We uh, species has two some point, was yeah, one yeah. of the yeah, um, and um, so it has this moment where this fucking private soda or whatever her mm, name is is mm. like seducing the various other, and I think she tried. I can't remember if it's her or one of the other people tries to come onto Dax and he's like too much of a man it's to, that take, one. to be yeah. seduced. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it does this very like, it has like a 10 minute sequence where it's like, ah, oh, we're doing, we're doing species now before we go off and do mm -hmm. another thing. And obviously Starship Troopers had, had some nudity in it, but it was presented in a very different way. And there's, there was a, a, a piece on a, <laughs> a website called, blood knife uh, which <laughs> sounds hell. incredibly wow. dark 
Uh, Warriors, maybe it is a Nazi site. It's fucking off. Yeah, but uh, but is is actually like uh, from what I could tell, it's it's just like a kind of criticism oh, sure, sure, uh, sure. site. Uh, and it was a it's it's a great piece by a writer called um, R. S. Benedict uh, called "Everyone Is Beautiful and No One Is Horny." Uh, and it's basically addressing the kind of the state of uh, modern blockbusters, especially your kind of MCU DC yeah. films, where there's kind of uh, the, it, it, there's a great focus on like physical perfection and and physical like the the, the bodies being in the, the absolute peak of their their muscularity oh, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. But but there's no sex behind it, yeah. uh, and they're very they're very chaste films. Um, it, it, and yeah, like like a, the old classic um, stories of Avalon and Camelot and all that shit, and it's like the idea of like mm. these absolute pinnacles of of humanity, these bustling, rippling sexual maidens in terms of how they're you know mm. the femininity and these absolute mm. pantheons of mankind. And none of, it's not Greek, it's not Greek, you know, fucking mythology. No yeah. one's fucking. It's all very yeah. except well, except for you know, going over there. but that's not mm. the point. That's not the point. And she 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 starts the piece by by looking back at this the the, the shower mm. scene in Starship Troopers where you have all these soaked up young nubile bodies mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. you know all the these this very like we say this kind of Aryan ideal uh, and it's this in some ways it's this kind of. Uh, there's it's like oh it's great diversity because there's people from all like you know the the women can serve in the military as equally as the men you know fucking girl boss that fascist empire you know um <laughs> and because there's the racial diversity in that group we go oh that must be fine then yes exactly but when they start talking no one is like no one is particularly like not not that you'd want like a horrible like leery situation but there's they have no interest in each other even though they're all like naked, what they're talking about is how proud they are to be doing military service and like yeah. the reasons they are f they have for signing up, and like that is that is the the kind of the point is that they are so even though these are meant to be teenagers or at least young adults, they're like so brainwashed by this society and so removed from themselves that even though they're in a situation where like if you put your average teens or young adults from other you know from our society, they'd be like there'd be a lot of sexual charge in that situation whereas here they're so neutered by it that all they care about is war well like that is they are if they are horny they are horny for war um, <laughs> and of course hero of the federation completely misunderstood like ha is like ah the first one had boobs in it so we better put boobs in this one but like we'll make them we'll 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 have we'll have like a sexy lady who's trying to seduce our hero and make him betray things it's like Wow! Not only did you completely misunderstand the first one, but you've just made some horrible, regressive storytelling choices there. Wait, that sentence—that's the fucking teaser right there. That sentence encapsulates <laughs> everything wrong with this film, along with they didn't have any money. They just didn't get it. Didn't the money to make it even something else? And anything they were trying to gear towards was dog shit. And it, it is interesting because. That shower scene, it starts that that back and forth of why do you why do you why are you serving? Why do you, why do you come to this place? Why are you why are you here? Even when it's like Rico joined for a girl kind of shit, it's like oh yeah. we're mocking you now because you should be a manly boy. And it's it's very it's very like um, childlike. It's like oh, yeah. uh, you yeah. like a girl. It's not like it, it doesn't it yeah. doesn't feel mature on their part. Not at all. It, and it starts no. because one guy says, I'm trying to be a journalist. I got to ask questions. Why did you join to serve? The questions he's asking have no scrutiny. They're just puff yeah. pieces. Like, oh, my first question is like, well, why are you here? Why, what are you going to do after mm. this? I want to have babies. And everyone rolls their fucking eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and it's easy with a license. And it's like, okay. 
Yeah. It, I, just even think about that just now, the idea of like, why do you want to serve? Oh, I want to have babies. And it's kind of easier if you've got a license. It's like, so Sahara. Because it never really, that pregnancy thing, man. It just comes out of nowhere yeah, and it's, so uh, it's so bad. Uh, there was a great quote, by the way, just before we move on, um, from, I think, Red Letter Media, which is that Starship Troopers is the anti-Star Trek. Um, yes. And yeah. probably the universe that we exist in, unfortunately. And I love that idea, because Star Trek about the idea of like, and Star Trek can be fucking horny as shit. It understands <laughs> that. You can, you can advance science and progress and go forward mm. and explore the universe, do away with money, socialist, not necessarily left-wing agenda, but like, that's, our, that's our future. We're going to go off and explore things. Mm. Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. And again, the admirals make mistakes. Um, Starship Troopers is the, the full-on what happens if we go down a certain road. The difference is that it is, it is satire. It is fiction. And this is kind of the key point here. I don't think human society can ever get that bad. And that's me at my most fucking optimistic. Because... <sighs> Populism always fails because the person you put in charge has to then deliver on what they've promised. And no matter what it is, they will always end up failing. And I know and I know not, not always immediately and not always cleanly. And some people still cling to that shit hundreds of years later to regurgitate that stuff. Sometimes an empire can last hundreds of years and they only just realize, oh, it's falling apart now. But like with um, the French Revolution, with Nazis, with anything happening now. In, in, in countries with very, you know, isolationist nations, mm. you know, the Japan's isolation, that kind of stuff in the 1600s, it all falls away eventually because people realize the world continues to exist outside that bubble. And then you're like, people get wise eventually when things don't turn around and get better, as you promised. The difference is in this society, the entire world is on board with it. We are unified mm. in our racist hatred of everything around us. and. It is always delivered. The society, they, the, the utopia they talk about is real because mm. there is always an enemy and that enemy is one we cannot best. And yeah. We're a bit of a stalemate. And for and, that and, reason, it exists. And one that we would never need to then turn around and trade with or, nope. uh, or negotiate with or anything like that because as Harmony similar as their as similar as, as their societies are in that they're both these like horrible militaristic territorial societies um mm. they are completely alien to us and so there can be no negotiation there can be no and there's not there's not like a third party like when you have you know war between nations you can have a third party that comes in and goes like hey but we want to like trade with both of you so maybe stop fucking bombing each other Agenda, kind of stuff self-interest yeah exactly. exactly whereas this because it's yeah there's 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 one enemy that the war will go on forever there will never be a surrender there will never be a victory and that makes it perfect for this kind of society and horrible for actual reality star wars um, <laughs> um well the sequel i mean there are other sequels as well right there's a director video thing and there's yeah. a bunch of shit but there is one good movie in there but the second one is a fucking mess as we've just discussed and thankfully that's what we're here to do we're here to fix it because we are the sequelizers and tim as you mentioned earlier it's your turn to fix it but before we do that if you've just emerged from your uh, big group shower with your fellow mobile infantry <laughs> recruits, you might be looking for a way to get your teeth nice and clean. There's a lot of white teeth in that movie. Really shiny fucking teeth. Yep. Roosh is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. 
with powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist a fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. And our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15, that's POD15. Follow the link in our show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. Would you like to know more? Yes. Click on the link in the show notes and get your mouth clean, you dirty bastard. <laughs> you nailed it, Tim. And then you call everybody a dirty bastard yeah. and the sponsor probably won't like that. I've seen their comments. I know what they're like. Um, <laughs> Mucky fuckers. So, as well as the fix, I'm also the one administering the, the, the tomatometer test today. Line up, gentlemen. It's time for your tomatometer test. <laughs> <laughs> Every, every man has to do it at some point. You yeah, know, you're supposed to do it. We're getting older. Uh, you know, once you're forty, I think you have to do it annually, isn't yeah. it? The tomatoes. Let me let me there. see how ripe your tomatoes are, and <laughs> I just grab hold of them and you cough. Sixty-seven percent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that's not like a thing. It's aggregate score. It's the. <laughs> so, uh, let's start with Starship Troopers, 1997. Jack, where do you think it lands on the tomatometer? Weirdly enough, Matt just said 67. I'm thinking it's around there. Because I think some people some people really appreciated and liked it. But as we've discussed already, a lot of people either didn't understand or straight up didn't like the original film. So I, I think it should be much higher. I would argue that it probably should be 80% or something like that. I'm guessing it's closer to 60 or even 50 maybe. So I'm going to stick with a flat 60, please, Tim. Okay. And Matthew... Yeah, I'm gonna try and game the system here. Um, oh no, Ace of Spades. That's a joke from the film, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think everything Jack said is correct. I think that it reviewed badly, as we know. I think it deserves to be higher because of um, the nuance it had in the production design and values and such. The actual breaking down of the film, the fucking score by Basil Polidoris is Polidoris, sorry, is is amazing. It's so fucking good and yeah, so enough. missed. In our group chat, Tim compared it to the Avengers theme. Yeah. And I was like, Sylvester hold on, it. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. holy shit. And dun, 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 dun. It, yeah, yeah, like I was, watch, I was re-watching Starship Troopers and the, the, the main theme came in and I was like, oh, I remember this. Like it mm-hmm. sticks with mm-hmm. you in the way that a lot of the fucking Marvel scores yep. do not. Um, what's the in, Thor theme song? Yeah. But it's it's the idea that, um, as we know from how filmmaking works, directors and other people use a hold music for a while and get it in the heads like just make it sound like that. And I know Polidorus' stuff gets probably used quite a lot. I can't for October. But what I'm trying to get to is game in the system. I wonder because of the way that Rotten Tomatoes works with contemporary views, but also things from you know now modern era sort of speaking, retrospectively. I wonder if it's bumped it up quite a bit. So I'm going to say seventy three. Okay, let's move on to 2004's Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation. Piece of shit. Matt, what, what are you thinking? Ten. Fuck you. <laughs> Not you, Tim, obviously. Wow. Fuck you, Jack. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, 10%. Because if it's any fucking higher, I will be livid. Because it's, it's dog shit. And you can say, like, well, it's a direct-to-video movie that had only $7 million rather than $100 million. Oh, you have to be respected. No, I don't. Piece of shit. 
10%. Fuck you. Jack? <laughs> I'll, go sl- I'll go slightly higher. I reckon... I mean, not much higher. Let's not get crazy here. I'm not going to be like, 50%. It's like Blade, where they're all basically the same. (laughs) Can you tell I'm still pissed off about that? I'm pissed off about that shit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for 15%, please. One five, just to be clear. Not 50, five zero. (laughs) One five. I think it's going to win this. I think it's because logically you might be right. I'm a bit bit worried that they're going to be closer than they should be. And uh, we haven't haven't touched on this one at all, but there is a... Uh 2008 Starship Troopers 3 Marauder. Mm. Bring uh, back Casper Medine. It's 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 bad, but it's not nearly as bad. It's yeah, it's the classic. I feel like the nerds will be like, yeah, but, but the third one's really good. Go and watch <laughs> the third instead of the second one. It's not really good. It's no. just better than the second one, but that's a low mm. fucking bar. Mm, yeah. Um, which leads me to <sighs> somewhere in the middle. Uh well, I said 16, 15, there. 45 difference, so 37 in the middle. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah, I think, put it this way, if three came out, because two is irrelevant, you don't need, it, it doesn't further the story, it's like a weird sort of blip, but if three came out as the film we're doing now, i.e. that, you know, Starship Troopers came out, and then this is the sequel, we'd still be fixing it. It's still shit. Three is still mm. bad, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was better received, and with hindsight of what came before, it was probably a bit better received. So I'd say, and also, only people watch that point are massive Starship Trooper fans anyway. So I'd say it probably something close to forty-five percent, maybe. Okay. Lots of comparative bits as opposed to mm. actual critiquing of what you're looking at. I can tell you that you are going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Okay. Oh no! Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Are we going to be as angry as we were with Blade? No, we can't. We cannot be. That was such a that was such a blindside. <laughs> we kind of we're ready for people to be fucking stupid. Yeah. So I'll t- I'll talk about the uh, the critic score here first because I think the sure. the audience score is much more in line with what we think. Okay. Of these films. That is often the case, isn't it? Sometimes, we find yeah. this a yeah. lot. Sometimes the audience are a bunch of fucking morons. Sometimes <laughs> they're way closer to what it should be. Mm. Right. So Starship Troopers. Jack, you said 60%. Matt, you said 73%. Yes. Jack, you are closer. 65 on the Tomas. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. That's not right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's pretty much what I thought yeah. it was going to be. Yeah. Because, like I said, so many yeah. people misunderstood it and all, all straight up didn't like it. Yeah. But it should be higher. I think it should be 80. I think I remember seeing someone saying, like, something. oh, it's really dumb. You got the, 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 propaganda pieces with these pretty people in these colourful backgrounds and colourful things and the universe is exactly the same. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> the propaganda doesn't pretty, end. Pretty much all, yeah. most of the criticism ends up with, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, we know. It's there's <laughs> uh, So I'm just looking at some of the, 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 the critical response section oh, on the Wikipedia. this is going to be good. Mm. Uh, so this isn't, this isn't uh, from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. This is just a, in a general. snapshot, but yeah, it's so you had people like uh, Janet Maslin of the New York Times panned it as crazed, lurid spectacle. Jeff Weiss of the Deseret News called it a non-stop splatterfest, so devoid of taste and logic that it makes even the most brainless summer blockbuster look intelligent. Um, and Roger oh. Ebert uh, called it shallow and oriented toward teenage male science fiction fans. Um <sighs> And yeah, then the response is that's the point. Yeah, and then uh, there's a, a a 2017 retrospective from uh, Ignati Vishnevetsky uh, on the AV Club 
who called it too damn well made for its own good, which is almost <laughs> like that. That's that, fair. That I can kind of get behind. Yeah. 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 And um, the reason you know it is, it's like a lot of other things we've discussed. When people try and imitate it, they fuck it in the face. Yeah. They mess it up entirely. So let's move on to Hero of the Federation. Jack. 10%, Tim. Yeah. Jack, you said 15. Matt, you said 10. Yeah. 33% on the oh, tomato. Oh my fuck, fuck no. Right off. What? Yeah. 33. That's higher than that's... so many things we've covered in the past that. Yeah. Mm, that's higher than our scores combined. <laughs> Tim, Tim tell, tell me there's like maybe like one person, or oh no, 33. Three people are reviewing this. <laughs> and therefore it's like, well, that's obviously bullshit. Let me, uh, let me find it on, uh, on the old Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, <sighs> so that is based that is based on six reviews there we go <laughs> that's there's one guy passionate hardcore idiots yeah yep. yeah because i think so yeah two it's two, two out people say yeah it's two five people, out of five yeah, yeah. and the, the two seen. people are from cinema crazed and movie hole so oh, what's their like oh, little uh oh. what's their what's their like their, their little blurb line. is what's their problem uh, so felix vasquez jr of cinema crazed says in the end all it really is is a guilty pleasure. No. Doesn't sound like a positive review to me. Uh, and caffeinated Clint of Movie Hole uh, says, it isn't Verhoeven's original, but it's still a pleasing second coming for the bug squashers. Right, no. no. And also, both those guys sound like they're actually from the universe yes. with those names. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay, that's, yeah, sure. Uh, whereas whereas uh, Robert Strohmeyer of filmcritic.com says, if you liked the original, you'll hate the sequel and everyone involved in the making of it. <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. That's our boy. Yep. I mean, we don't know this guy over his work. We're just saying he's our boy because he agreed <laughs> with us. Yep. Uh, moving on to uh, Starship Troopers 3 Marauder. Uh, Jack, you said 37. Matt, you said 45. Matt, you are closer this time. Uh, ah. 50%. Oh, wow. Fuck off. On the Tomatometer. Again, is this another one with three people reviewing it? Uh, so again, that is based on six reviews. Brilliant. And again, I would be, it'd be hilarious if this is the same people giving the same thing. One of them was like, yeah, it's all right. And there it sways the entire thing. It's not the same people. Although, interestingly enough, one of the guys who gave... Hero of the Federation a good review gives Marauder a bad review. What? At least, at least, what? what? Uh, uh, Outwardly, uh, uh, from from the Rotten Tomato uh, judging, a splat, a splat rather than a, a ripe and juicy tomato. I'm I'm sorry, but this is this is why we're like doing the RT scores because we know it's nonsense, but it gives us such weird insight. Mm. So, so somebody who genuinely thought, uh, sorry, Hero of the Federation was passable as a follow up to Starship Troopers did not like Marauder. Did they? What was? Do they say why? I'm I'm so fascinated by this. Let me let me open up the full reviews for this person. Please, please. I'm sorry because that's damage. So just p picking more cl uh, some more quotes out here. This is from yes. their Hero of the Federation review. Uh, they say what emerges is a creepy, gory, and horror-oriented claustrophobic tale that I liked a lot. Is that the second one? That's the second one. Wrong. Uh, okay. Here the bugs take on a darker <laughs> presence and a very brooding, threatening persona barely shown. Perhaps for budgetary reasons, but who cares? It works. No, it doesn't. Nope. Watch a good film like that. Yep. And then for their th number three one, the sequ a sequel and standalone film, Starship Troopers 3, is a terrible film. Uh, the satire I can often stomach since it was part of the original film, but the fact is that the satire is too obvious 
to even call it respectable satire is just too much too clumsy at times. So basically, this person likes the Nazi shit yes. and was surprised that someone was <laughs> saying, like, wait, no, no, don't tell me about the Nazi shit. I like the hero of the Federal. Oh, my God. Dude, I'd like to think that the first one was really fucking obvious and yeah, in your really, face with all the yeah. satire and stuff, but enough people misunderstood it and were like, well, poor Verhoeven is making a film about actual Nazis and he supports fascism. Also, thing we haven't really touched on, Robert Heinlein's original As, book yeah, exactly. that, that is based on is the one without the satire and yes. is kind of pro-military and pro-fascist. So I get the misunderstanding from that. But the film fucking sticks its tongue right into its cheek and is fully aware. Mm -hmm. If you're commenting about the book being a fascist nightmare fucking pro-military thing, <laughs> fine. That kind of makes sense. Robert Heinlein, questionable individual in general. Yeah. So how the fuck do you get that from the third one being, oh my God. Anyway, that's, that's the point. So you? anyway, uh, yeah. just to take you through the audience uh, scores, because uh, oh, I think yeah, they yeah, are, they are a, lot a lot closer more sense, hopefully. to our, our reality. Uh, Thank God. Starship Troopers, 70%. Okay. Fine. 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 Hero Fine. of the Federation, 12%. Now we we're go. talking. There Thank you, go. audience. And Marauder gets 19%. Fine. Fine. There we Whatever. go. Yep. Nailed it. There you go. Yep. Boosh. Glad the audience saw some sense, at least. Yes. So I am the one who is responsible for fixing this. Uh, and I kind of had a problem to right yeah. out the gate because, and this is something we haven't touched on, Starship Troopers was a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, it cost a, just over 100 million to make. In 1997, 100 million. Yes. That's a lot of fucking money. Uh, yeah, and good for a reason. it brought in about half that. Yeah. Uh, and as we always say, really, to, when you allow for marketing budgets, a film needs to make about twice its budget before it starts making money back. It yep. probably may, yeah, that's probably closer to a quarter of the total budget. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, losing about $130, $150 million on one movie. Yeah. That's bad. That's really bad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's world. It's worldwide box office just about managed to creep past its original budget. Fucking um, hell. So, yeah, it's did not do well. No wonder all the sequels are direct-to-video and all that kind of well, shit. Well, yeah, this was the thing I was facing because in the past I have very much stuck to the idea that, okay, if, if the sequel was direct-to-video, I'm going to do direct-to-video. I did that with my uh, with my Smoking Aces pitch. You mm, did, yes, yes, you did. And because the, because the budget on a direct-to-video, like with Smoking Aces, which is just a kind of outlandish crime drama, you can do that on quite a budget and still get away with it. For something like Starship Troopers, where we still hold up the effects from the original as being great, like not quite groundbreaking, but 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 following in in the footsteps of stuff like Jurassic Park, you know, and yeah, and using definitely. using like uh, who is it? Phil Tippett, uh, who did the effects for Jurassic Park, did the effects on Starship Troopers, and in fact was the director of Hero of the Federation. We won't talk Which about that as much. Yep. Um, you know, obviously good with special effects, less good with actually directing. But Paying for it. Yeah. Starship Troopers is, is so good and looks so good. And, and part of the satire is how clean and polished it looks and how, how well made it looks. I feel like if you're going to do an effective sequel to it, it has to, it has to have a cinema release budget, even if it is a cheaper movie. And so I, I have essentially pictured a reality where, because I'm sticking more or less with the same release date, uh, we're going 2004. Fair enough. I am basically picturing a universe where 
as we mentioned, 9-11 happens and it becomes a lot more relevant. Uh. And I think that there is there is an alternate universe out there where a liberal film producer from Hollywood who at a point where the Iraq war was starting to kick off and question and 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 America was slightly there were a few more dissenting voices rather than in you know 2001 2002 where everything was very much like yeah yeah let's go over let's let's bomb Afghanistan when it started expanding to Iraq there were a few more voices who were going wait a minute hang on why who why which is not crazy to suggest because as we discussed in the past in a, in a live stream oddly enough a year later 2005 jarhead comes out yes i know it's not about that specific conflict it's about a different one but the point is it's like oh hang on there's a very noticeable comparison here we did start getting these things coming through so it's not yeah. an, an, not too much of a stretch to argue that i think that's yeah fair. so yeah i i'm basically picturing that there's some liberal producer who comes along and goes you know what we we need we're on a worrying path here we need a film that speaks to this and Starship Troopers wasn't understood at the time, but is becoming increasingly prescient. I'm going to fund a second one and we're going to have something that is a blockbuster, satirical anti-war film. So that that is cool. my reasoning for how, good you, so far, how you managed to get a, a cinematic release compared to the budget of basically going down the back of your sofa. What coins can you make? Right, let's make a let's make a Starship Troopers film with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, bold, but I get it. The only alternative you can do is wait for people to love the thing so much because of you know cult mm. hit kind of thing, and do it ten, fifteen years later. Which again, you could get round to. But I think your your logic makes sense. I'll mm-hmm. give you, I'll give it that. I I can see it happening. Um, it's not like we said with the whole Riddick thing of like I don't know, you're gonna have real problems with this budget issue. You can't do a big old sequel to thing. To, to 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 Chronicles of Riddick, you might have to do something quite grounded. I do get it. I get it with this one. So I'm curious. I'm curious, Tim. Okay. So, like I said, we're sticking with 2004, uh, and my film, uh, as we said, like Hero of the Federation kind of works as a title, as long as it has a satirical bent. But yeah. uh, I went for Starship Troopers Roughnecks. Makes Love sense. Great. Cool. Yep. Director, I'm changing from Verhoeven, because he is essentially... Okay retired from american filmmaking at this point yes, yes, um, yes he goes on to do black book in 2006 um oh yeah and then one more thing uh what is it l i think it's called yes um much more recently but yeah he's he's not really making films and especially not making american films at this point i did consider the- kind of saying like oh okay as someone who is so pacifist and anti-war that maybe he'd come yeah. back for this but i decided to go another way in the end Fair enough. Yeah. And it's interesting to talk about Paul Verhoeven because he's, he's got a history guy. of satire and stuff. Like people are like, oh yeah, I know that name. He's the Robocop guy. Yeah. That's mm. that's why you know Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. We've talked about him on this series before when we did Robocop. Mm-hmm. We talked about we talked about how good the first film was and that as well, and how brilliant the satire is and how well directed it is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Verhoeven brings that to the first Starship Troopers movie. I think he had a unique take on it that He's just such a right person for that film, and that's why that first film mm. works so well. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see who you've picked for the second one, Tim. I'm I'm very yeah. intrigued. Like fair, said, you can't do worse than the second one as it is. <laughs> so. True. <laughs> to be fair, what Verhoeven's very because you, you try like Robocop and Total Recall, so they'll go great mm. films, and then every now and again he'll do something like, "Wait, Hollow Man's pretty shit. Yeah. Showgirls is very bad. Yeah, Hollow Man's not great. L is mentioned earlier. L is great. Mm. Um, mm. 
But yeah, anyway, another point. Who who have you brought on, Tim? Who so I've on? got someone who is equally inconsistent. <laughs> um, Brilliant. But I've gone for him when he's he's on the rise, and I think he would work well for this. Uh, who's Doug Lehman or Lyman? Nice. I like Lyman. I think that's a great choice. When, when and you know when we get the full list of things and we have like oh who's gonna get what sequel and all this kind of stuff sure. and thinking about even with this being a patron vote you see the three options mm. there i thought if i do starship troopers 2 i'm gonna get the guy who did edge of tomorrow for sure <laughs> oh wow because yeah, the same edge point. of tomorrow is the closest thing to starship troopers that we've had in the last 20 years probably i think it's a really clever twist on the war against aliens thing and granted it's not as satirical but it does have some twists that actually do the whole like are we the bad guys? Are we the bad guys? Mm. I don't know if we are. Granted, there's some time travel mumbo jumbo bullshit, but I really, really like that film. I think Edge of Tomorrow, Tomorrow. Slash, mm. slash Live, Die, Repeat, slash All You Need Is Kill, yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on if you're in the certain countries and if you've yeah. read the manga and all this kind of stuff. But I love that film. And instantly I was like, Doug Lyman's the person. Oh, yep. God, oh I would pick Doug Lyman. So yeah. Brilliant choice, Tim. Absolutely. Like also, let's face it, the directorial style is going to be very different, I imagine. Also, he can do a very clean, bright, colourful thing, but through like the Bourne identity, he's been championing a lot of grounded, gritty, mm. yeah. visceral so nature, like shaky camera. Bourne identity stuff. is a couple, well, that would be 2002, so that'd be a yeah. couple of years before. This would be his film after Bourne identity. Yes, yeah, it yeah. would possibly push back Mr. and Mrs. Smith a year because oh, that's no. 2005, oh, but I'm sure we'll survive. It was uh, fine. Yeah, he, yeah, so he'd done. He'd come out with Swingers, he'd done Go, he'd done the Bourne identity at this point. Um, yeah. And like you say, he goes on to do Edge of Tomorrow, which also, interestingly enough, like one of the things that from Starship Troopers, the book that wasn't included in the film was the fact that in the book they have mm. power armor. Uh, yep. And Edge of Tomorrow is basically, if you look at those suits, that's basically kind of what they would be like uh, yeah. in the films. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's going to come into play in my pitch. <laughs> it's not a mech suit, but it's gotta, damn close. I was going to say, you got to keep Matt happy with some... It's not not a mech suit. Exoskeleton's <laughs> the... Close thing you get before you put a coat on it. Yep. Comes a mech suit. Uh, returning cast. I have but one name. Oh, okay. Ooh. So this is interesting because they didn't bring back anybody for the fucking second film. Yeah. Which I think there's enough there that you could have done. So I'm very intrigued. Again, mm. I'm very intrigued to see who you brought back. Mm. I have, as First Sergeant Zim, Clancy Brown. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my boy Clancy Brown. Oh, damn. He, he Zim might be my favourite character from the first film. He <laughs> is just... The worst and the best, and Clancy Brown is just amazing. Bite down but the sun, it helps. He does the I know Pri <laughs> private now. Yeah, like, it, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I want to fight on the front lines where I literally demoted myself so I get to kill more things. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, what a brilliant satire war character! Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. I need more Zim in my life. Uh, right, so going through my new cast as career sergeant Landon, I have Bruce Greenwood. Oh, what a great fit for this universe. It sounds really stupid, but you're like, yes, I can see yeah, him in these films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so oh, he uh, sort of started out, did it uh, Saint Elsewhere on TV. Um, uh, more recently to this, he, he was in iRobot, goes mm. on to be uh, Pike in the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Mm. A, good, a good actor. Um, like they did with the original, I have kind of looked to TV. Smart move. Uh, with with a lot of my front soldiers. You keep that budget sensible, Tim. Yeah, that's where you're getting all that young, CGI budget. Fresh, if you pay the actors less, yeah, get the young fresh TV faces. 
Uh, yeah, but, but thankfully, with with the the benefits of of hindsight, I've picked up some names that will be big, big, but not not huge for the most part. So this is like early career, but they go on to become yes. Bigger. So I'll right, give you, right. I'll give you I'll give you a, a little uh, taste of kind of where they are in their career. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. So as Private Chase Carmine, hmm. Carmine. Uh, fresh fresh from Days of Our Lives, Dark Angel, and Dawson's Creek, Jensen Ackles. Oh, oh shit! The guy from Supernatural. Yes, that is. He has a again. He's a, a Van he's super handsome. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's damn. classically handsome white dude. Uh, this is Sam Dean. Oh yeah, this that is works. just before he shows up on Smallville, where he plays a guy who transforms into their version of Doomsday, uh, yep. and then obviously he goes on to star in Supernatural for I think eighteen years. Um, yeah, <laughs> sounds but, like it sounds like you're making up eighteen years there, Tim. I think you're about it's right. It's about yeah. that. It's something. It's like that. absolutely mental. He Definitely. is uh, Dean Winchester mm-hmm. in Supernatural. For those of you who aren't, yes, aware. Oh God, yeah, that's that's really solid casting. Okay. That's a good good shout. So this is this is the one. This is the exception to the rule. This is someone who's done more films at this point uh, than right. TV. Uh, as Private Angela, Angela Benelli, mm-hmm. uh, coming off of Practical Magic, 13, and The Missing, Evan Rachel Wood. Oh, oh nice. Nice, nice. nice. Very good. Uh, Very good. Goes Rachel on to be She's always amazing. Uh, the Wrestler and obviously Westworld. Um, very good in that. As Private Ray Bix, I have mm-hmm. Omar Benson Miller, who is he... not a name that most people will know. Yeah. Um, he's in uh, 8 Mile. Oh, is he a big guy? Um, he is the very big guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's cool. also in, uh, okay. he goes on to be in Get Rich or Die Trying, the 50 Cent film. Uh, mm-hmm. He's yeah. in CSI Miami uh, for, for a fair chunk uh, and is now who, in the Rocks isn't? TV show Ballers. Oh, right. um, I think playing like a football star, I guess, is sure, what that sure. series is about. That, I think. that is what Ballers <laughs> is often about. So yeah. very, very sort of like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of mainly know he, he, does, he shows up in an episode of The West Wing. Um, mm. And I was like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's fun." Um, as Private George Bliss Jarecki, mm. Tina Majorino, <laughs> uh, who had just the, been the in kid from what? Who had started off as yeah. the kid from What World uh, <laughs> had just been in Napoleon Dynamite as Deb, uh, and oh goes my on, god, yeah, of course, goes on to be uh, in Veronica Mars. Uh, she's in Big Love and Grey's Anatomy on TV. Dar- uh, I should explain my outburst. That's not me slating the casting. That's me putting myself in a producer's mindset in 97. I'm saying, you want to put Doogie Howser, yeah. the, the kid, <laughs> like TV series where he's like a yeah. little boy um, doctor. You want him to be a psychic a Nazi space psychic. Nazi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you mad? That, I get that. Damn. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, as Private Hannah Mills, best known at this point for being in Like Mike, yep. uh, the uh, Jonathan Lipnicki and... Lil Bow Wow, I think it is in, in that film, uh, <laughs> goes on to be uh, in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, uh, the Disney Channel right, TV yeah, show, of course, and of would course. be better known to our audience probably from The Social Network, uh, Brenda Song. Wait, but... Oh, yeah. Brenda Strong or Brenda Song? Brenda Song. Not... Okay. Not Brenda Strong, who was in Starship Troopers... And, and also in Hero Federation as a, exactly. in a different role. Yes, no, Brenda Song. Someone entirely different, right? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Who plays Andrew Garfield's like crazy girlfriend in the social oh, network? Oh, cool, yep. cool, 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 cool. And is married, partnered with Macaulay Culkin, I believe. Oh, really? Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Wow. Yeah. As Private Seth Willis, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Gonzalez, um, who at this at this point is probably best known uh, as Spanish in old school. Oh, okay. oh goes okay. on to be in. Uh, he shows up in uh, the War of the Worlds, the Spielberg uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. version. Uh, goes on to be in Reaper yeah. uh, and uh, Arrow, where he plays uh, Wild Dog, I believe. Mm. As Major Orson Green, I have uh, Jonathan M. Woodward, who is best known for. He is one of the rare actors who was in Buffy, Firefly, and Angel. Oh wow! Oh, wow. In Buffy, one, one of the Whedon crew. Yes, he's a vampire who was a like psychi- uh, psychology student and kind of psychoanalyzes Buffy as they're fighting. Uh, oh. In Firefly, he's uh, like Mal's old war buddy who oh. uh, is a shit, oh, basically. Yep. And a coward. Whoever it is. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then in Angel, he is uh, he has a, a longer role where he plays like a science guy who uh, turns out to be evil, basically. But Wolfram and Hart. Uh, but he's a very good, uh, he is playing uh, a Doogie Howser uh, science Nazi in this, and he's very good at playing kind of cowardly, mm-hmm. sniveling types. Nice. And then finally, as Tafai, David Strathern, best known probably for LA Confidential. Yes. Um, the River, uh, in the River Wild, uh, uh, that goes on to being Good Night and Good Luck after this. That's what I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is fantastic in The Expanse. And uh, and has recently been in Nomadland. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm oh, not going to anything. I'm not going to think. But that name, Tafai, I wonder, again, having seen the TV stuff, I wonder if we're pulling more from the books here. I, I, I could be wrong. Might not be a thing at all. Maybe something else. And, but I wonder and also, where in case, with this. case the listeners have forgotten, Matt and I are going in blind, as always. Mm. These oh, we, are all we brand don't know. new to us. Yeah, all the cartoons revealed to, to us. We, yeah. we only find out as it is read to us, either by ourselves or by our co-host. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, exciting. Okay, so yeah, that's all my casting. Great cast. I love the names, by the way. Tim, was there a particular inspiration for the surnames and the names of the characters? It was a good Not selection. Not hugely. Jarecki, Benelli, Bix, Carmine, <laughs> Landon. It's all good, like yeah. military yeah, style kind of. They work really well. Um, yes. The the one thing that I did, and this is gonna sound this sounds really awful, but it's the kind of universe that we're in. Um, it's quite there's like a it's a reasonably like ethnically diverse group that I've got. Um yes. I didn't want anyone to have particularly ethnically identifiable names. There we go, yeah. Um yeah. like kind of in the original you've got like because they're meant to be in Puerto Rico, not not Puerto Rico, they're meant to be in Buenos Aires, but they're all it, yeah, yeah, they're all incredibly white, but some of them have like like obviously Carmen Ibenez played by Denise Richards. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of lean into that idea that like maybe there's been some weird, like not necessarily like ethnic cleansing, but it, it feels like it feels like the Federation in Starship Troopers certainly came from America and spread out from there. Yes. Uh, but, I'm but, nodding but, vigorously here. Listen put it this way, uh, to quote Back to the Future Part 3 and to quote a gravestone that I saw the other day, um, <laughs> um, we we there was instances if like was Doc Brown, but then he Browns back then. Emmett Brown, no, because we were the Von Brauns and we changed our name because of the war. And I saw a gravestone in um in Suffolk the other day, which had Lestrange, but it changed as like a family plot, which changed to L dot Strange because the Napoleonic War happened. No <laughs> Frenching sunny name, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you know, blah, 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 L dot Strange. Because it wasn't about abbreviating, it was more about the idea of hiding that stuff. In the same way that yes. films of the 50s, even like names like 
acceptable names. You'd have semi sort of sort of Polish, maybe Jewish sounding names and Italian mm. names. That's about as much as you'd get, maybe, in that sort of like, ah, oh, this guy's name's Capazzo. Yeah. But it wouldn't be, it would still be something that a, a for, for lack of a better word, a white audience would be okay with. Mm. Doesn't matter what the ethnicity of the character is, this. So yeah, I, in universe, get it. That's great. Yeah. Not soda. No. <laughs> so, getting into the pitch. The film opens with a FedNet film portraying the events of the last film, focusing on the exploits of Sergeant Zim, played in the <laughs> film by Joe Mangianello. Yes. Uh, oh, man. To Jack there. If you need an ideal man represented, get yeah. it sorted. There you go. The film then cuts to the real first Sergeant Zim, who is speaking at a jump ball game, which is the weird sport that they play yep. yeah. in that. Space basketball. Yep. Uh, re- recruiting for the mobile infantry. As his speech reaches its conclusion, distant sirens begin to sound before there's a flash of light in the sky and a series of meteorites stream overhead, trailing fragments. Ooh, intriguing. We cut to another FedNet report, explaining how the meteorites left arachnid spores scattered across the American heartland and show footage of the mobile infantry soldiers fighting bugs in futuristic Topeka, Tulsa and St. Louis. The report culminates in a shot of Captain John Rico. Cameo from Casper Van Dien, <laughs> nice. Leading a charge and a voice encourages viewers to sign up today. Service guarantees citizenship. <laughs> we're, we're, we're straight in the satire, Tim. I appreciate yep. that. <laughs> At a military intelligence facility, Major Green from Intel meets with Career Sergeant Landon, a retired drill sergeant. He explains to Landon that with Earth's forces focused on ridding the planet of the arachnid menace, their advance into bug space has halted and something is needed to disrupt the stalemate. He tells Land that he's being brought out of retirement for a new special assignment for him, handing him a folder stamp with the words Project Tofet? Tofet? Tofet. I think it's Tofet, Tofet. isn't it? Yeah. An Egyptian word, fetish. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Interesting, though. Mm. At Camp Vicksburg, transports carrying ju- groups of juvenile delinquents arrive. The teenagers on board are considered residents, a step below civilians in the Federation's political class system, and have been told that this is their final opportunity to earn back civilian status. Chase Carmine, an orphan who ran with a street gang, immediately clashes with the soldiers showing the teens to their quarters, and they proceed to beat him up. (laughs) They are separated by Landon, who has been given the job of whipping the unit into shape. In this universe, I assume whipping is quite literal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) God. As the cadets are put through their paces, we're introduced to the others. Angela Benelli, who washed out of psychic training. <laughs> what a sentence, Tim. <laughs> you washed out of psychic training. You picked the wrong card too many times. <laughs> Ray Bix, a gentle giant who has a secret pet cat. Something somebody I can relate to as a large <laughs> cat owner myself. That's a classic wardrobe thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bliss Jarecki, a hacker who leaked the film's star sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Mills, a nervous but chatty shoplifter, and Seth Willis, a bookish car thief. As they train, Landon observes them and notes that Carmine is emerging as a natural leader. After Bix fails to complete an obstacle course, Landon orders that he is disciplined with corporal punishment. Carmine objects, and Landon tells him that if it matters so much to him, he can receive Bix's punishment instead. Facing off with the sergeant, Carmine says he's happy to, and Landon lays into the young man, beating him viciously. There you go, After literal whipping. Landon, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Afterwards, Landon tells him that he and Bix are now linked, and every time Carmine screws up, it'll be Bix who is punished. I like that. That ah, sounds like how nice. the universe deals with shit. Yeah, yep, yep. there we go. With the spectre of this hanging over him, 
Carmine pushes himself to become a perfect soldier and is given squad leadership as a result. Many of the other teens fall in step behind him, but Bix still struggles, earning Carmine more beatings from Landon every time he fails. The other teens begin to turn on Bix, bullying him, and after a particularly vicious beating from Landon, even Carmine snaps, telling Bix that he's a useless lump who is letting the unit down. Well, it's got a bit full metal jacket now. <laughs> the next yeah. day, the group discovers Bix hanging from a rafter in the barracks. Oh. Christ, Tim. Full oh, metal already. jacket. <laughs> yeah, man. Except full metal jacket in, in space. Mm. Except it's on Earth, but you know. As the unit mourns Bix, Landon is visited again by Major Green, who informs him that Project Topher is ready to launch. Green asks if Landon has become attached to his young charges, knowing they'll likely die on what is sure to be a suicide mission, to which Landon simply chuckles. Tofet thing sounds fucking familiar. Okay. Another mm. FedNet update informs us that with the earthbound bug threat contained, platoons from the mobile infantry have begun to redeploy to the front lines. We witness crowds of people cheering as the fleet bombards America from space and celebrating the fact that Earth is taking the fight to the Arachnids once again. They'll fight and they'll win. We join Carmine and the others aboard the Alvin York, headed toward Arachnid space. The unit has been assigned to the Roughnecks, but rather than being part of the main advance, they're headed to the planet Tophet, on the fringes of bug space. Carmine is clearly traumatised following the loss of Bix, torn up with guilt and anger. But whenever Landon is around, he represses it, and the discipline that training has drilled into him takes over. Knowing Tim, Tophet is a very clever reference to something, and we'll find out at the end if it is or it isn't. I, no, I, I Matt think and I, I are both racking our brains like we're trying to work this out. I think... With with a, a oh. thing I said earlier with casting, I think I know exactly where this is going. This is very interesting. Is it Love Actually again, Tim? It is Love Actually again. Yeah, I've done it again. Uh, no, okay, it's, it's, yeah. It's it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> very bold. Very bold. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> the unit deploys onto the jungle-covered Tophet, and Landon informs them that this planet is a crucial source of a xylon, a naturally occurring gas. That the bugs harvest, enabling them to send their asteroids across interstellar space. That's a thing we've not really addressed. They send an asteroid from like the other side of the galaxy in like two days, and they're just like, "Yeah, that's how that works." Like, okay, cool. Yep, they got super space Bot powers. Exactly. As the unit adjusts to the lower gravity of Tophet, they head through the thick jungle towards the source of the Xylon, unaware that something is watching them. Is it Predator? I hope it's Predator. I don't want to say anything. I don't. Want, I literally have the, the, like the bottom of the text is on the screen. I'm not saying because I don't. I don't want to ruin the thing for myself. But again, I think we're going full on teenage match watching the cartoon. <laughs> I say the cartoon, the animated show. Um, that night, the unit is ambushed by a force of aliens, unlike the stand. Boom! <laughs> unlike the standard arachnids, these creatures are humanoid but tall and thin, and wear armored battle suits with powerful weaponry. He brought the fucking skinnies in. God damn. The unit is forced to flee from their camp and Mills is almost left behind, but Carmine goes back to rescue her. He reaches her just as she is killed by one of the aliens and Carmine snaps, beating the alien into unconsciousness with the butt of his rifle. Coming to his senses, he lifts the alien over his back and heads into the jungle to rendezvous with the others. At their makeshift camp, Landon and the unit examines the alien that Carmine has recovered, dubbing it a skinny. Mm-hmm. Ah, there you go. Opening up its armour, they discover a lanky blue humanoid with milky white eyes and a strange bug clamped over its mouth that appears wounded. Benelli is able to establish a psychic connection with the skinny, 
and discovers that the arachnids have enslaved these aliens, who are natives to this planet, and are using them to harvest and protect the Xylon. Landon is able to remove the parasitic bug from the skinny, and the group watches as its eyes take on more normal appearance, and it regains consciousness. The group is torn over whether or not to eliminate the skinny, but Benelli tells them it means them no harm, revealing its name is... Tufai. That's what Matt picked up on earlier, this makes sense. Using Benelli as a crude translator, the group is able to communicate with him, and he promises to lead them to the Xylon Rift. As the group travels through the jungle, Landon and Carmine discuss their mission, and Landon tells the young soldier that he has only been pushing them so hard because he believes that he has the potential to be great. Carmine begrudgingly agrees that the immobile infantry has given him purpose, and that taking part in this mission feels like a chance to get revenge on the bugs for the death of his parents. The unit reaches a skinny outpost and attacks the unprepared aliens, faring much better this time with Tafai at their side. As they slaughter the aliens, Tafai, who is quickly picking up the human's language, attempts to intervene, pleading with them to spare his mind-controlled people. However, Landon tells the unit that the threat is too great, especially from the power-armoured skinnies. Gaining the upper hand, the unit is able to spare a few of the skinny civilians, and Tafai emotionally reunites with them. Nice, I like the conflict there. Having taken the outpost, the Roughnecks prepare to assault the main Xylon Rift. Apart from the rest of the unit, Landon prepares a nuclear device, Jesus Christ, preparing to destroy the Rift if the unit is unable to capture it. Utilising the lower gravity, the Roughnecks attack the facility from above, taking out a large number of the skinnies and the elite arachnid warriors that protect the area. So we're getting more traditional bugs now as well as the skinnies yes. yeah. Yeah. combination. Right, cool, okay. As the Roughnecks attempt to secure the area, Landon heads to the Rift with the bomb. However, the Arachnids stage a counterattack, killing Willis and Jarecki and forcing the others to retreat back to the outpost. Landon is cut off from the Roughnecks and wounded, and decides to power up the bomb. At the outpost, Carmine prepares to charge back in, but Defy takes him to one side, presenting him with one of the power armor suits. Fuck yeah. Which begins to transform to suit his human physiology. Got the old dick. Yep. <laughs> Got one of those big Transformers balls, you know. Yeah. All the Transformers yeah. have big old balls. Giant, giant codpiece. It's probably like a yeah. Wolfenstein, like ah Nazi tech. It needs to look like this. Brr, brr, brr. Yeah, yeah. It's Mecha Hitler. <laughs> At the Xylon Rift, Landon is surrounded by the Arachnids, barely holding them off as the bomb ticks down. When Carmine arrives in the power armor. He takes out the arachnids threatening Landon as the rest of the roughnecks charge in, destroying the arachnids in the crossfire. Landon deactivates the bomb and Carmine helps him to his feet as the scene transitions to a Fednet report. Mm, nice little fake out with the bomb, Tim, I like it. Mm. The report celebrates the roughnecks' victory on Tofet, showing a human facility being built to harvest the Xylon and the skinnies being enlisted to serve in the human military because of course they are. This place is terrible. We see Tafai shaking hands awkwardly with Landon, and the film ends with Carmine, now wearing redesigned power armour alongside the rest of the Roughnecks, encouraging the viewer to enlist and join their fight against the Arachnid Menace. Nice. Mm. I mentioned at uh, you know, top of the show, watch the film, all the sequel stuff is crap, but I remember the CGI animated TV series. What's it called? Roughnecks something? It's just called Roughnecks, I believe. Roughnecks, yeah. It was okay, actually. It was it was genuinely alright, but it it pushed some stuff from the books, like the idea of skinnies and power armor and all that kind of stuff, and 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 these other again the humanoid aliens with long stretchy faces. Um, and it's like yeah, 
I thought it was really weird at the time. Because I, thought, I don't get it. It's not from the film. I said, like, yeah, because it's from the books. Yada, 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 yada. But the story was engrossing because it gave you this peaceful ass sort of race in a weird way. They weren't this, the, you take from the satire to the, p- apply that to reality. What about an external force? And the answer is subservience for you then. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested that you took that in that direction. I like it a lot for that reason. I like it a lot because obviously the fact that it's not fucking here over the Federation and makes sense in terms of what you've done with it. I like the, you know, group of young uh, rebellious upstarts sort of thing, the misfit sort of fucking breakfast club motherfuckers. It's it's a very logical next step. I think it works really well. I think it's going to be a hard sell to an audience, but fuck me, so is the original. It will strike with the right people, in my opinion. And as as you point out with the whole like getting towards that, oh, the war we're in right now is a bit of a fucking weird one. And the allies you make over there who are oppressed people, how are you going to help them? Make them our fucking go-to with the people, a sort of ally, and the second they turn on us, fuck them because they're all so weird, they look different. And as we've seen in contemporary standing, yeah. So yeah, that it's it's a hard sell, but I like it, Tim. I like it. Yeah, I should say I haven't actually seen the Roughnecks TV show. Um, I I read up a bit on the original Robert Heinlein novel, which I also have not read. Mm. Um, but I was interested the fact that there was in his books like a third race, um, mm-hmm. and took a bit of inspiration. So some of the stuff like the uh, Tafai and the the planet named Tofet are from yeah. the, the Roughneck series, which I I don't know how much of that was their invention and how much of that was actually from the Heinlein book but um sure. yeah so I I don't I didn't particularly like the design having kind of seen what they looked like in that oh they look very b-movie 50s yeah so I'd hopefully have a cooler look for them mm. um but yeah I I thought it was interesting to have a third party who start out oppressed by the arachnids and then the the, the humans show up and go we're you're free of those now now <laughs> we'll oppress you um uh- if you'd like an idea of what these things look like when you can't really picture it, if you're a Star Wars fan, picture the Genosians, but without wings and more stretched out. That kind kind of, of, yeah. Sort of also insecty, but not mm. that kind of, yeah. Big, long, illegated. They've got like three fingers and they're like got these little mm. teethy things. And yeah, yeah. I like it, Tim. It's, it's an interesting twist to see. Like you said, the, he- the, the heroes are the humans once again. And like, like you said, oh, we're saving you from oppression. And then we're now enlisting you in our military. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I said at the time <laughs> as I read that, like, of course they do. Yeah. Of course the Federation is like, now you're part of our Federation. Like, not, we've freed you. Now go back to your happy native life on your home yes. planet. Like, nope. Now you fight for us. And that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. I think you've done a good mm-hmm. job of bringing in different types of characters and stuff but i think that's a nice little kind of twist on the original crew like you said matt the kind of breakfast club group of teens and mm, that kind of stuff mm, yeah. um i particularly think landon's an interesting character like he really stood out to me as one of because the the ones in the first film are so purposefully like single dimensional and so either driven by glory or their genitals <laughs> it's like you've got nothing else to really go on they're purposely very simple and non-complex characters there's no kind of like what do we do do we fight like mm. yeah of course you do you fight we're the best fuck the bugs <laughs> whereas landon has this kind of not necessarily conflict but the fact that he deactivates the bomb i thought was interesting because i was totally expecting like final shot he sets off the nuke and then the others like survived in another part of the jungle and mm. they have to kind of like escape it or something like that when they say goodbye to to landon 
Mm. And he was a piece of shit anyway. He was, you know, he beat them on all that kind of stuff. Mm. But the fact that he actually survives and deactivates the bomb, I think would be quite nicely subversive for the viewer. Because that, like I said, that caught me off guard reading it. And I thought that'd be interesting having mm-hmm. the little twist there of like, oh no, the, the the guy who's been a dickhead to the teenagers the whole time is still alive and doesn't mm. actually make it out, unfortunately. Yeah, that was kind of the other string that I had. And, and <laughs> I talked to these guys about how that I had like two different things I wanted to do with this script and, and yeah, yeah. struggled a bit to get them to, to kind of uh, work together. But I... I wanted because obviously I said in when we were talking about Hero of the Federation, like it doesn't work when you have characters who are critical of of the Federation because the, the society would just not tolerate people like that. But the the one time that's not true is where they're they're very young and you get to see the see that stuff be beaten out of them. Um, so I wanted to kind of show that process in in the original Starship Troopers, because they're they're mm. all quite affluent teens who are fully on board with the Federation. And so, which which works really, really well uh, for that film. But I wanted to show, like, what happens when you take the people who are... Because there are, there's, there are wealthy people in that world, so that means that there are poor people in that world. There will be inequality, of course. Um, and so what happens when you take the people who don't have as much invested in the the federation way of life like what happens to them and it's like well they get what happened to the original group but just worse um mm. and and if they don't get on board and prove their worth to that society then they are made to turn on each other until like only the ones who are fully on board and i wanted it to be to start it's basically it's a uh, even though fucking Stockholm syndrome isn't a real thing, it's basically it's Stockholm syndrome. It's the, it starts out with this like rebellious teen who's like, I'm not going to take any of you. I don't. I'm why why would I sign up with the military? Like I'm only here because you fucking made me. And it ends with him going to rescue the guy who has repeatedly like beaten the shit out of him because he's exactly. through abuse. Yes, because yep. he's now fully on board with like that way yeah. of life, um, and so. Yeah, I wanted to uh, to kind of explore that and and Landon. I wanted took me a while to settle. Originally, I was gonna have uh fucking Jake Busey uh from the original be like ah. the the guy is like oh yeah have him become like a new drill sergeant and then have him and I was like no fucking Jake Busey can't act. <laughs> a he needs to, it needs to be more of a paternal figure, which means he needs to be older, but also like you need someone who can play that Convey well. What you need him to. Um, and yeah. I think Bruce Greenwood would be able to be like terrifying when he needs to be and also like weirdly paternal and have those moments where it does it is isn't it's it's playing out an abusive relationship with these teens and it, and hmm. it's like you need someone who can then who can be awful to them and then turn around and be like ah oh, but you know if you if you just listen to my rules and, and do what i need you to do then i'll be then you you'll get these rewards and i'll treat you really nicely and you know all this kind of stuff and and pike fuck. but more of a shit yeah basically yeah um, yeah, yeah I, I see that. I see that. Uh, so yeah, that was that was kind of what I was hoping to Actually, do. Actually, the combination of Bruce Greenwood, Greenwood in Star Trek Into Darkness specifically, and Bruce Greenwood in The Post, the Steven mm. Spielberg film where he's married <laughs> to Meryl Streep, you know, in in the trailer, just sort of shouting over her, saying, you know, it's what we had to do. It's like, okay, where's this coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I definitely see that cast. Mm. And then I wanted mm. to throw in some power armor because fuck yeah. Fuck no, yeah. Yeah. I really like what you did. And, and like I said, we kind of commented on this as we went. The dynamic between, I guess, essentially the two main characters at the start, Bix and Carmine, mm. and have them playing off each other. The classic 
when you like if you don't care about being punished yourself then the classic like next time you make a mistake the whole squad's got to do 100 push-ups kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but having those two specifically and, and just having it be like if Biggs fucks up it's Carmine and then if it's Carmine fucks up it Biggs who mm-hmm. takes the blame that's a really nice way of for, for the audience to instantly feel sympathy towards those characters to to build them as like oh right yeah we're supposed to care about these characters and also to show how what a fucking horrible place and what a terrible military this is because mm. That shit happens in real life, and the military can be really fucking horrible, and training and boot camp can be really fucking tough for this kind of stuff. Mm. And it's those kind of tactics that allow drill sergeants and superior officers to essentially said like Stockholm syndrome, but like brainwash and manipulate and all mm. the propaganda and stuff to get these young minds manipulated into believing I've got to do what's best for my team. I've got to stay alive. Mm. I've got to you know fight the bugs because. But otherwise, Bix, I'll be letting Bix down. I'll be letting my team down. I'll be letting my friends down and all this kind mm. of stuff. It's classic manipulation, and I think that works really, really well. And the fact that Bix hangs himself? Christ, that was dark, Tim. <laughs> Jesus. Again, yeah. for this movie, I imagine it wouldn't even be played that dark either. It'd be like the, yeah. And the characters might be like, almost like, good. He's out of the way now. As much as being galvanized themselves. Mm, and being, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I see it is again the full metal jacket thing, but minus Kubrick's sort of like I'm trying to make a point because there's one point where Lawrence, character played by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, is like, "Holy Jesus Christ, fucking shit balls!" And um, Ermy pulls out the uh, the donut. Who's got this motherfucker? And it turns out it's it's uh, you know Private Lawrence's. And the punishment is he has to eat it while everyone else does push-ups. And yes. that's when they all turn him and, and beat him up with the fucking soaps in the socks. Mm. I think. And that's what, you know, and again, he does, he did it to spoilers for Full Metal Jacket. He turns on the group. And the problem with Full Metal Jacket is the film takes a break midway through and the best stuff has already happened. Then you go to Vietnam and other things happening. Like, the best parts of this movie are already gone now. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, that's not the case here because it's a different universe entirely. But um, yeah, that, that group mentality of even someone who's meant to be the, the hero of this role, even someone who's a central character who I'm going to root for would still like go, you know what? You are a fuck up. And you're mm. making my life hell. In that universe, the Starship Troopers universe, holy fuck, of course he kills himself. Because there's no way that they... If he didn't, one of those fuckers would have killed him. Mm. Almost guaranteed. Yeah. Yep. And I think yep. the, the, the important thing to kind of... Because I think I, there's a slight risk with, with the film that I've pitched here is that it turns mm. it into something that just is like, hey, this place is a dystopia, um, you know, and, and like, why the fuck would anyone like tolerate it? Sure. Is that towards the end it has to be much more of that like there's like you get with the kind of uh the full metal jacket thing of like once they get once they've got on board with the federation's way of life and with with landon and become the unit then it becomes much more of a clean like hey we're here to kill the bugs kind of thing because mm-hmm. that is the transformation and, and and at the end where you have carmine just being like yeah like come join the military it's great like you need that very the the kind of the starship troopers ending of it where everyone is on board with the society now and and because otherwise i think otherwise it it risks being a very very different kind of film um yeah. and i you know you need to still have that that attitude of like yeah they, they, it's not like this is going to someone's going to turn around and go like ah but things shouldn't be this way let's go change mm-hmm. them it's like the point is that by the end they are all completely happy with with the way things have turned out. See, the the only 
I wouldn't say it's even a negative, but a thing you might encounter with this sort of reaction to the film is the fact that in the first film, it's like, it should be a tragedy. It should be the case of, God, this, this alternate universe for humans, these poor fucks are so indoctrinated, they don't realize how bad they've got it. Because like, oh, you want to live forever? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to live forever. It's like, do you want to live for at least another couple of 10, 30 yeah. <laughs> years? Oh, no, I'm happy to die as a teenager. Yeah, I'm all, you know, and, and um, I, I think that because of the kind of characterization you have the actors doing, i.e. playing big and dumb and mm. pretty, uh, which I don't know how many of the actors realized that's what they were doing uh, and why <laughs> they were cast. Um, but let's say for argument's sake they did. And they played it up to play up to it, possibly. Mm. This film, your film specifically, sorry, humanizes a lot of me. Because it's like, how do you get sucked into a cult? How do you get swept up into a religious movement? How do you get swept up into something that's bad for you, but you believe it's good and you will happily defend it to the death? Um, how, do, how do you become a slave to the system, as it were, you know, mm. but in, in, in an environment where there's no option for escape other than, let's face it, fucking hanging yourself. There are some people who will not like the transition between, I want to actually analyze that a little bit and then end up with the Starship Troopers universe. They'll keep on fighting like this person and this troop and the skinnies are with us too, those mm. brave assholes, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I think some people might not get on with it because like, now you're making me actually feel about them and humanize with them more and I actually want to save them and I know there's no saving them. And that's too close to home considering what's going on right now. I know mm. friends have joined up for no fucking reason. But that's not a bad thing. That's what I keep saying. That's not a bad thing. Because the whole point of the film is maybe to be divisive and is to be... I, I think, again, anything I can come up with that'd be like, mm, Tim, I don't know about that, can be answered in the exact same thing we say with every single critique of the first one, which is, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> so yeah, again, I think it's... I think it was a... This was a deceptive chalice. Poison nonetheless, but still a deceptive one. Whereas the Riddick <laughs> one was like, oh, fuck. And a couple later, we got like a, a, a similar chalice as what we have given to each other. Um, but this one is, um, as voted for by Patreon, is, it was a tricky one, I think. And I think you've done a very interesting job here. The, again, a question I tend to pull out usually at this point. Mm -hmm. Do you think there'd be another one? Do you think there's anywhere to go with another one? I mean, I think, I think there is room to go. I'm not sure. Like, I very deliberately didn't carry on with the characters particularly from the first one because i think mm. the more interesting story is the is the universe that it's in and the world and yep. because because the individual ma matter so little to this society mm. all that all they are is meat for the grinder kind of thing um and so it's <laughs> it's more interesting to show how that society functions and how it does chew up and spit out people and, and turn them into these mm. kind of perfect citizens and so i don't think you'd necessarily follow through maybe you'd like keep with the same unit and tell a different story with different people but i think there's maybe room i'm i'm not sure what what the next story i'd want to tell is but i think there's certain you know i think and certainly looking at society today there would be there is there is more than enough room and and certainly a distinct lack in hollywood of something that is both popular and satirical mm. and looking at the the military industrial complex and going like mm, this ain't great um yeah, and yeah. it tends to be limited to like satire tends to be this very kind of like intellectual thing that's you know you know and and, and as great as films like say in the loop are 
like <laughs> you're not going to get teenagers going like oh fuck yeah i'm gonna go uh, i'm going to the cinema <laughs> to see in the loop like come with me like oh it's got it's got great action in it like that bit where peter capaldi runs in washington <laughs> dc um whereas this is something that's hopefully a little bit subversive and you can yeah. get people going to it who aren't on board with the message but maybe mm. come away and and much like we did when we watched it you watch it the first time and you go yeah fuck that was awesome when he gets the power armor and he kills all the fucking bugs yeah. Ah, that's so awesome. And then you go back and watch it a second time and go, hmm, okay, yeah, there's more going on here, hopefully. Yeah. So. That's the, yeah. I, I don't know if I have a suggestion. I, I think just having seen the Rough Next show from what I can remember, again, being 20 odd years ago, 22 years ago at this point, um, right. thinking back on it, it looked a bit more like Doom and what would become effectively Halo, the Halo universe. Mm than starship troopers because the satire there's no satire in that by the way I should point out in the original uh, the, the animated show there's no satire it's just space marines killing aliens yeah uh, it's very I don't know, I, the, the 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 little bit i can remember from it is that their armor did look a lot more like master chief than it did the fucking really, global infantry yeah it's the kind really of green does. typical yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it and gave so, me almost warhammer forty thousand kind of vibes as well yeah. with imperial scout troopers and yeah stuff. yeah again an another universe where you have to understand that it's satire and the humans are just as bad as everyone else what? Yeah. no uh, and, and if you don't you can end up awfully fashy and that, and that's the thing with the third film you have to do one of two things in in my in my opinion one is you either pitch to the halo crowd the halo gears of war crowd and say look i know you've got this whole thing but we need to inject some sort of relatability and it, but it's the skinnies coming in changing people's minds or some sort of huge external factor leading to a change of consciousness and dissent maybe that's what it is uh, or alternatively you go in a different room entirely and just say you know we're going to do a, a third being Big up I, I don't I don't know. But as I say, mm. what you've done there makes sense. Like Starship Troopers, fuck knows if it'd be successful in any way, shape, or form, but it doesn't necessarily matter because the first one we're still talking about it, and that was in no way by in terms critically or commercially a success. Mm. Oh, well done, Tim. I think that's far more in line with the first one and fucking better than the actual sequel that we got. <laughs> because couldn't have been worse. But yeah, I really like I said, I really enjoyed it. it. Had some twists and turns in there that I really appreciated. The characters are much more interesting. And yeah, overall, like Matt said, difficult job, but I think you did it really well. I would, I would watch mm. and enjoy this movie. Well, thank you. What more could you ask? <laughs> <laughs> if you, dear listeners, have any strong opinions on Starship Troopers, Starship Troopers Two, Starship Troopers Three, Starship Troopers Rednecks, Roughnecks, Rednecks, <laughs> Rednecks, Starship in Troopers space. Roughnecks, or Rednecks in Space, yeah, that, that's the, the only that's good the bug is a the dead cartoon. bug. Here in Buenos exactly. Aires. <laughs> and they splat on the like space truck. <laughs> yeah. Um you can hit us up on social media. We are sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Send us messages whether you are praising this pitch, questioning this pitch, praising the original film, questioning the sequel. Let us know. You can message us on Discord as well. You can find all the links to the Discord. It's our pinned tweet on our Twitter and on sequelizers.com as well. On sequelizers.com, you can find the shop where all our lovely merch, you can buy t-shirts, you can buy posters. It's all available on the store. You can find links to the Patreon, links to our YouTube channel, and links to all the podcast platforms of choice there as well, as well as little bios about us and our social media as well. I am JLW Chambers on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me and discuss sci-fi things and wrestling and D&D and comics. Basically, that's all I talk about on social media. <laughs> Tim, how about you? 
You go to Matt first. Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I know. I I wanted to throw you off. Oh, see see if God. you guys were paying attention. Oh, no, I was listening. I was waiting for my point. But Tim, I guess it's over to you now. You can find me uh, on Twitter, trivia underscore lad, uh, which is uh, where I tend to share anything that I'm up to or just uh, interesting memes that I've seen recently. Matt, if I want to know more, what do I click on to find you? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the red right hand at Cody UK to see the reviews of things I'm... Um, for, to, uh, thrown off! Okay, right. <laughs> Stogs. all it takes? Yeah! <laughs> Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the red right hand at code.uk to read my reviews. You can go to choosement.com to see the things that I make. See you next week. Fuck's sake, Matthew. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't have my fascist society. Everything is crumbling. I've got nothing. Well, if you fuck up, I punish Tim. So that's how that works. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really are tired. I mean, that took you a while. Yeah, I was looking at thinking, I do hate myself. I am worried about Tim. <laughs> <laughs> See? It works. Yeah, the training that's, works. That's true, I guess. There you go. You fucking weird fascist. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the Patreon pick for this season. And next week, we'll have something quite different again. I know we say that quite a lot here. We're hitting a few different genres. We're hitting a few different types of films. Mm. And uh, yeah, not not your typical sequelizers, space sci-fi Nazis. fair. No space Nazis. <laughs> but we will be tackling something, uh, something a little bit different next week. Something? But there was a clue this episode. And there is a clue this episode as well, uh, just like we did with Seth Green being shit, the time there. There's some little hints going. and some little... Some little hints and uh, teases mm. towards next week's episode. Maybe you can work it out. Let us know if you have. But until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 